Come in. Prisoner wants a word with your mum, and I've brought you another thirkin of apple juice. Goodness me, that's a big one. I've never had any complaints, mum. So, what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of grievous podcasting innuendo, and he wanted to have it out with you. Really? Straight up, Mal. So I see. And Sergeant? Yes, Mum? Please put that swanny whistle away. Here he is, Mum. Hello, Mr Trowbridge. Uh, has the Sergeant taken down your particulars? Yes, and I'd like to complain he's got very cold hands. Now then, we're holding you on a charge of... Implying naughty things on a public podcast. You'll never be able to make that stand up in court. I think you'll find all the evidence is very stiff. Oh, damn, you've got me at it now. Sergeant, has anything else come up since we've been holding him? Nothing that stands out, Mom. You seem to be deliberately making it very hard for me. I'm simply a fine, upstanding citizen. Yes, I can see that from here. Are we going to keep this sketch up for much longer? No, I think we've come to the natural climax. Well, I'm not cleaning it up. And now, for the young in heart and weak in the head, it's Round the Archives. Who returns to begin another four-part adventure, Full Circle, and that's at 5.40 next Saturday. Programs tonight on BBC One. In 15 minutes, Larry Grayson's Generation Game with Myla Sinclair. At 7.15, a demonstration attracts the attention of the press in Juliet Bravo. Could you confirm, Inspector, or deny that as a member of a Marxist-Leninist cell, study the man you have in your custody was under the surveillance of the special branch? At five past eight, Paul Daniels entertains in his own unique fashion and introduces his guests, Hans Moretti and Goroku. Entertainment for Saturday night on BBC One. Hello. Hello. I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. Nobody else is here. No, well, apart from the cats. But... They will be along shortly. Yes. Welcome to episode 24, yes. I believe, of Round the, the Archives. I get confused because we've sort of been working on 24 and 25 in parallel, we have. haven't yes. we? So yes. I don't know whether I'm coming or going or even been. <laughs> it's from 24. Yes, right, good. Mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, not much to tidy up from last time no, that I can I recall. So. No, ma- no major no. goofs. No. no. Um, what can we plug, though? Um <laughs> Or we can plug our red bubble shop, can't we? Can, we? Yes. Um, yes, uh, we've sort of delved into the area of merchandise. Mm-hmm. Now it's not sort of around the archives particularly, mm. but it is um, based around sort of paintings and things that I've yes. done and sort of some photography that I've done. Yes. So if you look on Red Bubble for Lisa and Andrew, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things mm-hmm. from mugs and yes. notebooks and, and bags. bags. You just got a bag, didn't I you? I did. That was that was the yes. mosaic one. So pretty. Yes, you should go around showing that off. Oh yeah, it's yeah. difficult. But yes, if you enjoy our nonsense, please feel free to buy a mug, as it will make us happy and yes. earn us fifty p or something like that. I don't something know. Something ridiculous. 
quite a while. But yes, uh, this issue has sort of turned out to be a bit of a Juliet Bravo special, really, it has, hasn't it? Yes. I'm not sure it was necessarily planned that way. No. But no. we found we had so much to say mm-hmm. um, that we couldn't really fit much else on. No, there will be something else, mm-hmm. um, which you uh, might guess at um, if I've put the clip in Before earlier on. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Martin Holmes will be back to not talk about Juliet bravo mm-hmm. but first of all warren joins us on the sofa yes to look at the first ever episode yes shotgun yes okay see okay. you then bye-bye Warren's here. He is. I am. Snuggled up on the sofa. Yes, it's like the hottest day of the year as well. We are snug. We're in the snug. (laughs) Good job we know each other. Yes. (laughs) Right, today we are here to talk about Juliet Bravo. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the two Juliet Bravos. Well, this is the thing. Um, I think we're going to have to do this as a two-part article, the way it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because... You have the changing face of Juliet Bravo, yes. don't you? She regenerates. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, what's Juliet Bravo? Juliet T- Bravo. Tell me what it is. is first of all. a um, police drama mm-hmm. from 1980, mm-hmm. and it is unusual. Well, it's not that unusual because we've already, as we discussed on the last issue, had the gentle touch. But it's fairly unusual in the fact that it has a woman as the lead. Mm-hmm. And this is the, uh, well, she's not called Juliet Bravo. Her name's Jean Darblow. Yeah. She's the inspector. So why is she called Juliet Bravo? That's her call sign. That. When yeah. she calls in, yeah. it's like the Brigadier's call sign is, is Greyhound One. Yeah. It, does she actually say Juliet I Bravo? I don't know if I've ever heard her say it. Yes, she does. All right, there All you right, go. Okay. Thank Warren's you, seen more than me. So. Um, uh, in one of the episodes, she says, and I believe it might have been the first one I heard, it was with the bear. Right. Um, I'm going to the scene... Uh, I will adopt the call sign of Juliet Bravo. Right. Okay. Right. And Kate Longton definitely does it. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. I just thought we ought to clear that point up because mm. everybody knows the series as Juliet Bravo because that's its name and people call her Juliet Bravo, sort of viewers. Mm. But yeah, I just didn't know whether it was actually dealt with in the series. But that's not what the series was originally... Um, if you look at the the paperwork, mm. yes. there's at least one bit of paperwork that says mm. Inspector Marm, doesn't Which is it? a very stupid title. And that just sounds like, oh, we need to fill something in the box on the yeah. paperwork, yeah. just come up with a silly title. Um, mm. But th- this whole Marm thing does come up in the first episode, episode yeah. so it is sort of dealt with. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're talking the 30th of August... 1980. Doctor Who's just restarted. Doctor Who um, has started with uh, part one of the Leisure Hive. So it's the new drama season on BBC One, basically, mm. isn't it? 
So um, I expect that Julia Bravo, because we can't actually look it up at the moment, because BBC Genome Genome's is, having a spasm is, at the moment. decided to go on strike. <laughs> um, but I'm guessing it would be on about eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Though possibly a bit later, because I think there's a little bit of swearing. So maybe it's after I nine. I think nine. I think it's yeah. nine. It'll be a nine when, when we get Genome yeah. to work, we'll, we'll put it in as a... Considering how dark it is, I think... Yes, it, it is a very dark episode yeah. as well. But it's after Paul Daniels' magic show. Possibly, yeah. But series created by... Ian Kennedy Martin, yes, who yes. wrote this episode. I've yes. just noticed. Brother of Troy, yes. I've just noticed that Wikipedia refers to it as the episode title "Shotgun" as mm. one word, yeah. which is wrong. Yeah, because it's two words: shot, gun. gun. Mm. So, proof you shouldn't believe everything Wikipedia says on Wikipedia. Yes. But what's the, how does this episode? Start then. Um, Bag woman. Yes. Cobbled streets. And Cobbled streets. <laughs> and a woman with a, a shopping trolley or a, a, a bag it, on wheels. It's clearly midsummer in Hartley. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've just put old bag on wheels. Because <laughs> it is grey, it's dour, it it's looks snowing. as though it's snowing. Yes. So it's, it's their summer season. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I've just put cobbled street, isn't mm. it? Yes. Yeah, there was like whacking chasms in this mm. road, weren't there? Yeah, because where's this set? It's it's set in in Hartley, which is in Lancashire, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was Yorkshire, but it's I think just it must below be below Yorkshire. Yeah, isn't it, it must yeah. be on the Lancashire Yorkshire border. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's Lancashire Constabulary. It's based upon. Yeah, uh, but filmed in um, Pebble Mill. All right. Okay. Oh yes, that's what yes. it says that, doesn't it? So mm. it's filmed at Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might uh, explain the accent. That woman's accent. Actually. That woman's accent. She forgot where she was. Yes, we'll, we'll come <laughs> to that in a moment. But uh, now the opening, sort of the opening scene, it's very sort of. There's just shots of things, isn't there? Yes. Shots of feet. Feet. Um, shots of ham. Oh, sorry. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking ham. About, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking about the title sequence here. Yes. Um, the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, is. Quickly crafted, isn't it? Is mm. is designed to surprise you that she's a woman, mm. right? I think it's a giveaway when she puts her shoes on. So she's yeah. putting her, her, her skirt on. She's mm. putting her shoes on. She's, she's doing not up her putting. Her, I would put, but she doesn't she's putting put her shoes on. on. She never wears shoes. No, she wears boots. She wears boots. She wears boots. She's got a she's handbag. Straightening her shoes. She's skirt. got a hat. She yes. turns to camera. She's a woman. Yes, that's the shot. Anyway, mm. uh, but yes, you've got um, the car going up the street. Mm-hmm. And I've just put suspension. There isn't yeah. any. There isn't yeah. any. Well, there is might that, be is that suspension of belief that he could actually manage to get up the hill? <laughs> <laughs> Very steep hill. Um, but oh. yeah, uh, car registration is NAC 16H. Short for NAC. It's knackered, yes. Um, he t- almost takes the side off the car when he sort of draws yeah. up, yeah. doesn't yeah. he? Because it, it literally must stop at about... Um, well, it, it's... But only a little bit in front of the camera. It mm. only just stops. Yeah. We basically. nearly had a fatality but, on the yes. first shot. But I said dramatic knuckles. Yes. Oh, a lot of knuckle action on the yeah. door, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, thumping on the door, and I've just put camera work. Mm-hmm. And then I've put accent, question mark. Yes. Well, nor. 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 When she opens, I don't know what that was. Is that Northern Irish? <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. I don't think the actress quite knows where she's going with the accent because it seems to change every time they they. Yeah, she's, she's something. got about four scenes. Yeah. Like, I described her accent as being on an away day return, return yeah. somewhere. Yeah. But um, the bloke um, who's been in the car comes out and he's got a 
He's got a small shotgun, hasn't mm, he? Yes. It's a dinky one. Dinky double-barrelled. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, uh, appearance by Joanne Wally. Yes. Yes. Who will go on to be in... Um, Edge of uh, Darkness. With, with Edge, of, no, Edge of Darkness and that thing with singing Michael. Detective. Singing Detective. That, that thing with Michael. No, I, I couldn't think of its name. I was thinking Penny from Heaven. Is she the lathering nurse? She yeah. is. Oh. Mm. But he shoots, he shoots the washing. He shoots the shoots washing, washing. Yes. Shoots the sheet. Said yes. that really well. Yes. <laughs> but you pointed out, uh, Warren, there's no recoil from the gun. Yeah, he's pulled the trigger and he's still standing bolt straight. So you yeah. can tell it's... Uh, it's a typical cartridge job. Uh, but but why is he doing all this? Job. He's he's taking the daughter off, basically. Yes, he yeah. doesn't think that the, the mother's looking after the daughter hmm. right, because she gets migraines. There's a nasty bit where I thought was quite... Because the BBC... On, this was really gritty. This was gritty for an opener. BBC, yeah. she sh- he shoves the barrel of the shotgun into her throat, doesn't he? Yes. Hmm. Says, I'm going to kill yeah. you. And I thought, that's quite bold. Mm. Okay. But then we cut to um, our, our heroine, mm-hmm. drugs, and a hu- <laughs> and a hubby, and a hubby, oh, mm-hmm. who are looking at a house. Yes, this now, house now would be worth about half a million. Well, because it's a semi-detached Victorian. There, there's a s- or Edwardian. That's no way to describe Stephanie Turner. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a sign uh, which says Pywell Lambourne, ninety seven High Street. Eight two six four nine eight three two. Yeah, we don't know what number that is. No, we didn't believe this. It's did like we? no number that's local. But what was it? You thought it looked more like a London number. London number because you got the O one, then there's the three digits, and then and a four digit, then four yeah. digits. But they just added a two on the end. Mm, so it's a very weird number. Well, it's yeah. almost like the first bit is the code, but yeah. then it'd have a zero on the front of it. Yeah. Well, as you said to me on another piece, Warren, you and me had three-digit phone numbers in yeah. 1980. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would have been a Hartley, yeah. Hartley exchange. So the little, old lady, Z, yeah. little old lady in the exchange. Hello, oh, London, got a long-distance call. And, and then I've just put mini and sheepskin coat. Yes. Oh, we should also say that you get your first, um, at this point, you get your first look at... Uh, Inspector Jean Darblay, as played, as Warren just said, by Stephanie Turner. Yes. And her husband's played by David Hargreaves mm-hmm. of Albion Market fame. Okay. Or not. Fame. <laughs> fame. <laughs> but they're looking at their new home. and he, oh, he, Potential new home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says something about a dark room. Yes. And Warren, you said, well, that's not followed up, is it? That's never followed up about no. his photography. Right. No. Now, you said something about brown paint. <laughs> Well, what's this about brown paint, Warren? In the last episode of season one, she goes on leave and decides she's going to decorate her home. And at the end of the thing, she's painted all the walls brown. And when I mean brown, I mean that type of colour brown you would never have anywhere near your walls. Okay. That was very sort of big in the 70s, I should imagine. Mm. It was probably cheap paint. It was toilet brown, I would describe it <laughs> as. Nice. Oh, it hides the stains, I suppose. Mm. Um, oh... <laughs> That's what Steptoe said, uh, discussing what... Anyway, um, the house, they say... Are you comparing Stephanie Taylor to old man Steptoe? Only in the bath with a pickled onion. I can imagine that in a loofah. Right, £22,000 for the house. Yes. Uh, But they've still got a scabby sink. Mm. (laughs) It's a horrible looking thing. It's a proper original Edwardian or mm. Victorian thing. I'm not sure I'd pay money for that. A, a real Victorian. But in there's it, yeah. a line about your promotion. Mm. Mm. And we're covering similar ground now to 
gentle, um, gentle touch, touch yeah. aren't we? Yeah, it's the way it's said. It's very barbed. It's it, like he's not pleased. It's a male point of view's remark, isn't it? Mm. It's yeah. a. It's it's meant to be pointed. Yeah. To point out that he feels inferior to her. Well, he's been made redundant as well, yeah. isn't he? Mm. So he's not actually working at all at the moment. So he's relying mm. on her for so their money. A, so we have a juxtaposition here, don't we? Yeah. Mm. So there's there's some stuff about... And we started phoning innuendo at this point. <laughs> Subject to survey, I want, want it. it. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Yeah. And then I just put, mind your head. Because yeah, that's when they're going down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, he, he, he does what... Um, uh, our friend Nick Goodman used to do that when you, you got halfway down his parents' stairs, he would have to duck because it was quite a low. Oh, there was a sticky out bit. Sticky out bit, and he he just do it automatically. <laughs> but it looks a bit awkward here. Yeah, you think that on the first take, maybe he actually whacked his head on it. <laughs> <laughs> but then cut to kid kicking tin can in gutter, yes. which <laughs> apparently happens all over the place. Heart the FC, <laughs> yes, and. And then I've just put escorts. Mm. Go on, Warren, about these cars. Oh, Come on. God. T- tell us about these cars that they've these got in cars. this force. Though you could always tell a Ford in the 1970s. It was like it was like kicking a bean cow when you shut the door. It just yeah. sounded ho- hollow. And <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, dear. And then you've got uh, Joe Beck, or Joseph mm. Beck. She calls him Joseph, I think, because it annoys him. Yeah. And you you put you said Warren never get in the car with him. Why not? Yes. Oh, as as the seasons progress, his driving is appalling. There's um, he either does the old John Pert where he pulls up, mm. and stalls it, and the car goes forward. Or in the episode with the bear, I won't spoil the rest of it. Oh, yeah. But he pulls up in the police Cortina and nearly takes out the back of a parked up Escort. All right. And you said she comes in via the back door. Yeah, I've never noticed that before. She comes in through the via the back door, not through um, the front entrance. Yeah, and not through the locker room, mm. which is behind the front counter, but to the left of there, there's a corridor. Um, I've never seen that. So before. this is this is now yeah. at the police station, mm. and she wants a parade for nine thirty. Oh, I can mm. muster about five. <laughs> I like the idea that they've got like nobody there. It, <laughs> it really is like unit, isn't it? There's, yes. there's about sort of three or four people. And but that's what a divisional satellite station would have been like. Yeah. And Joseph uh, keeps on using the phrase boss. Mm. Yes. yes, boss. Yeah. Mm. And she's not too keen on this. But then you start getting uh, lines that, that's like... Uh, oh, sorry. Eh? That's a, um, they use the word boss down here All right. for senior officers yeah. to address them. But if you go to the Met, you will say something like gov. All right. Even mm. to a female. Okay. Sorry, yeah. no, that's that good. That's, yeah. no, I like this detail. And then you've got you've got snippy lines like a lady, a bloody woman. <laughs> you get There's a lot of that. Nothing wrong with his eyesight, then, is there? <laughs> and then the inquiries sign that's on the desk, <laughs> oh, and this vanishes. You said, yeah, this vanishes. I think towards um, the end of this season, beginning of next season, it's it's uh, clearly a uh, a sign that's been produced by the Department of the Bleeding Obvious. Mm. It's pl- not small either, is no, it? No, it's not small, no. There's a bloke that's come in and he's offering some information, but he wants five pounds for it. Mm. So clearly he had some sort of arrangement with a predecessor, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Now, we should just talk about her promotion at this point. Because yeah. um, do you ever sort of find out anything about her history previous to sort of this position in, in, the, sh- in the show itself? I don't believe you... Uh, other than... 
I think she'd worked on child protection mm. before. No, that was Kate Longton. All right, okay. Who worked on child protection. But, sh- but what about the Z cars yeah, connection no, here? No, we can play a little fun with this, can't yeah. we? So because this is fictional universe yeah. sort of building, isn't it? Ste- Steph Turner's name in Z cars is. Howarth, wasn't it? Yep, yeah. you see Howarth. However, she would have changed that name to become married to. To Tom Darbley. To Tom Darbley. So technically, the timings are about. Not too bad. She, she goes on the she goes on the accelerated promotion scheme. I mean, she's in Z cars for a while, up to about nineteen seventy five. Five. So we're looking at eighty. Yeah, five years. If she went on the accelerated promotion, she, that would look about right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's just interesting. That and it would be a natural progression for her character. Seemed quite in the clip I've seen in Z cars. She's quite mm. flighty. Mm. I would say, but um, as you go up to a higher rank of responsibility, your attitudes would train would yeah. change. And as I said, she is fighting a man's world, yeah. desperate, desperately fighting as. But as you also said, that it's now become blasé with her. Mm. If somebody gives her a bit of chat, she slaps them down metaphorically, yeah. doesn't she? Well, she yeah, she doesn't stand for any nonsense at no, this point, not at all. Which is why she's got where she where she is, I think. And mm-hmm. the boots. What was that? Nothing. Was that about boots? Was that? Right, we'll get to boots later. Isn't it? And then enter John Ringham. Yay! Now, who's, who's John Ringham? She is a false inspector. Now, he's the superintendent. He's superintendent Lake. Yeah, yes. so he's, he's her he's immediate nice. boss. He's a nice right? chap, yeah. Is he the divisional superintendent? He's the divisional superintendent, yeah. yeah. So would he have recommended her for this position? I. That's why they, he does come out as saying um, in later episodes that he re- recommended her for the yeah, position because yeah. he says don't make a cock up of this mm. on my, I, I recommended you yeah. so it's both our heads on the block type thing and then he's got a reference to their billiard table mm. <laughs> which you do actually <laughs> see so do you see this in, yeah. I think it's the first episode of um, you, Kate actually, you see actually see it in Kate Longton's because mm. oh, right, okay. they talk about um, taking somebody up to the billiard table alright oh, okay Keep them in that room, yeah. Have you ever played billiards? Uh, played station? snooker on the, the snooker table at yeah, Uxbridge, yeah. Okay, any good? Yeah, bloody good full size table that was, right. yeah. No, I meant you. Me? Oh, yeah, yeah I'm quite good. All right, oh, yeah. God, I'll come pot as bunny balls as you can. You have to get your cue out in a minute. Right, give us a demonstration. Right, uh, now I've just put white hat cloth. Yeah. Now explain about a hat. Because this is this is the sort of detail that I love. Okay, and you won't get this on Wikipedia. <laughs> Why Fe- she got a white hat on? Why she got a white hat on? Female officers from the early seventies started to wear white tops to their hats. Mm-hmm. It was to identify them in a crowd, yeah, as being female. Right. Uh, they are detachable, and we do see her detach the white cover. Later on, the hat is black. Yes, the hat is black because she's dealing with a firearms incident, and she'd be an obvious target. Yeah, uh, it also happens in another episode, which randomly just throw this one in points of view. Somebody wrote in to say one shot I had her with the white bit on her hat, and yeah. one shot had her with it, the next shot had her with the black top to her hat, and they actually show the clip on points of view, and I remember that very clearly. Yeah. Uh, taking the cover off, but as you get to the last season with Stephanie Turner. Mm-hmm. She's wearing the wrong hat completely. All right. The she's wearing a traffic officer's hat. Okay. Um, because the black hat would have been brought in as standard by then. Yeah. And of course, that comes in with Anna Cartridge. Right. 
Okay. But I said we said about cloth. But you said about yeah. reinforcement. It's and not stuff. reinforced. No. It's just a starched cloth hat. Oh, okay. Is that they, because they wouldn't expect the female officers to be in that kind of situation? No, I just think it's cheap. Oh, right. uh, no, <laughs> genuinely, it, it was just cheap. Um, no, they by that time, they would have been doing exactly the same as the, the male officers. They, so they're putting their lives on the line more than the male officers because they have no protection. Yeah, and it, well, they, they did have a truncheon, but if you see the size of her handbag... Yeah, it's, where do you put it? It's yeah. The truncheon is about um, three quarters of the length of the handbag. Oh, right, and okay. that's where it sits. Oh, okay. They used to call them walnut crackers because <laughs> that's all they were good for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just written down drive and determination, which is clearly mm. sort of her character, isn't it? And then we put CID hilarious, <laughs> brackets car chase. Cause that's although, the next episode. Yeah, because although it? this episode is quite grim, the mm. next episode has got a car chase with a vicar. So if we just very briefly describe this, this scene... <laughs> Warren's <laughs> laughing at that now. Isn't Do you it? remember the car chase? In the I don't really know. No. Well, the, the baddie's—he's—he's—that's right. He's hit the driving, uh, the traffic warden, and stolen his moped. All right. And okay. made off down the road, and um, the CID chaps have turned up chasing him on foot. So he's like waving, and off he goes. And they stop an Allegro. <laughs> you don't see the occupant. They're just standing in the road, hands up, and like, cut to inside of Allegro. With Vicar driving at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> as part of a chase. As part of a chase. And they have to get him out of the car. <laughs> and he, he's going, I don't think I should go any farther. I'd be breaking the speed limit. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a series which has got, you know, light and dark, isn't it? You Very know, much so, yeah. yeah. And I think you find that with the characters, uh, uh, Roland particularly, is mm. always the butt end of all jokes. Yes, he's, he's, he's always perceived as a bit of the... Of there's the idiot yeah, yeah he never quite gets it right he's the sort of junior of the bunch isn't he he's mm. probably you know been in for less than two years and yeah. in fact he reminds me of goody in the thin blue line yes oh, right. okay yeah all right okay um i put snow yeah it's snowing at one point sno- well there's snow in the background yes. anyway um settled snow <laughs> um grim up north mm-hmm. and then we've <laughs> we've put pie radio set <laughs> You said you said about their radio sets. Mm. There's never any chatter on it. No, um, unless it's part of the script. Mm. You've never, and you find this in police dramas, don't you? Because yeah. it's too distractive. Yeah. Um, the, the the early episodes of the Bill, you used to have a little bit of chatter on the radio, and you could they t- they make a point of turning the volume down, which gave it some kind of continuity and reason for that. But for this, there's absolutely. But yet, you go to the police station and that. Blimmin' radio in the front office doesn't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but um, we're in the middle of a playground now, aren't we? So mm. yeah, and, in the park. And mm. I got distracted by the conical thing. It, is is this? Because <laughs> I used mm. to go on these. I remember them. It's like a skirt, isn't it? It's it's, it's like a um, hooped skirt. Mm. And you'd get on it, and you sort of really need two or three people would be on it and it would rotate and wobble about wouldn't it but i think they were probably a death trap weren't they especially because they were built on concrete and also they? if you sat on if you put your legs on the inside when it went inside you'd smash yeah. your legs against the pole it's sort of like a bit, bit like a sort of giant traffic cone thing yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. and you did don't you see you, them anymore did you have you ever been on, on one i of don't those? remember them now do you remember the there? hobby horse thing that used to go back to front and you could get about eight people sat on it <laughs> <laughs> no? anyway no. um so this is for a meeting with 
with the missus, isn't it? This is the because what we should actually say, what we probably haven't explained, is that when when um, the character <laughs> turns, any of the plot away. No, turns up at the start, he takes yes. the daughter away. Yeah, yes. By well, not by force, but he at the point a of a shotgun. Yeah, um, but she doesn't tell her that when she sees her. She no. just tells her that she, he's taken the daughter away. Yeah, and she says there's nothing they can do because yeah. she's not, not told any false. threats. No. Yeah. No. Now I've just put. Um, Come on, Sergeant. Come on, Sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him like he's a small dog. Yeah. yeah. You know, come a- on, up he comes. Again, to be annoying. Just annoy him, yeah. yeah. Come on, jump up. <laughs> and we've got... It's a lovely two-hander. It's almost <laughs> a um, it's almost a Robert Holmes relationship created yeah. there, isn't yeah. there? Mm-hmm. But again, we've got bloody awful driver and bloody cars. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're no fan of these cars, are you? I'm not, no. Um, getting up the steep hill in first gear, just <laughs> about, just about yes. making it up the hill, and then we've got another film sequence, and you you pointed out the washing line across, mm. um, and the chap they're talking to is is sort of suffering from red eye, isn't he? Mm. Mm. It's really watering. Yeah, yeah I wonder is if because it it's cold. Or? I wonder if the wind is blowing and it's bitter mm. than the mm. bitter thing. If you weren't if you weren't a woman, I'd belt you one. <laughs> I really wanted to say, I'd like to see you try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she knocks him out. Yeah. First. <laughs> That's right hook. But yeah, who's this bloke? What is he? He's the father. That the, the, in, the, in the scene in the police station with the informant, he has said he saw a, a rape. Yeah. Or the tail end of a rape. Yeah. Um, and they, they find a name, they get a name, and she goes to see the mother. Yeah. And she says she should see... Her husband, yeah, because the daughter's not there. Yeah, so she sees the husband, and the husband basically says that unless she's pregnant, they don't want. Even if she's pregnant, they'll just sue the bloke who raped her. Yeah, not that he wants him to go to court and get punished, just that he'll sue him because he doesn't doesn't like the court. He doesn't want anything to do with the courts because they don't speak the king's English. The king's English, English, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, is he? Is he that's what, is a he, nice little detail. Is he from English. 1951 yeah, or something? Queen's English. So yeah, yeah that's that, that's a joke that's probably mm. totally unaware that we have a queen now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or mm. it shows his disdain for women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, I think that's the point. Yeah, mm. that's the point of the yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. It, it's quite clever that because mm. he's trying to put her down. Yeah. Then we cut to the doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a bottle of Dettol that you've... Yeah. Is that what your you, attention was drawn you by? You can't the, not notice the it, though. The bottle of Dettol. In it's the most <laughs> colourful thing in the cabinet. <laughs> no, de- we better explain Dettol. Dettol is... It's antiseptic, antiseptic. It? But it has a bright yes. green label, doesn't it? A bright it? green label. It smells horrible. Oh, yeah. And I believe some people used to bathe in it. Really? Yes. Okay. Mm. Yes. Okay. It's because usually labels and things are either covered up in BBC productions yeah. or pointed up. But I think someone's having a little bit of a chuckle because everything mm. else is pointed mm. slightly. But no, pointing this way is a bottle of dettol. Mm. But the father's taken the daughter to the doctor's. To a yes. private doctor. To yeah, a private, to a private doctor. doctor. Played yeah. by Michael Lees. Yeah. yeah. Who's in um, lots of different things. <laughs> 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 well played, Lisa. It's to be vague, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> we'll look him up later. I could you... name. He's in your own, my lord. Okay, okay. That, that'll, that'll do. do. That's yeah. fine. Thank you. Right. <laughs> and um, yes, uh, Ford's tin of tin of beans. Yeah, that was the tin of you, beans. You said yeah. about when you shut the door on a Ford. Sounds like an empty tin of beans. Yeah, but the father's in uh, 
sort of in a bit, bit of a mood now and he chucks mm. a, a rock a huge rock through the windscreen like, like of the a, doctor's car a rock off of a rockery yeah. kind of rock a rockery rock a rockery, a rockery rock. rock yeah doctor on call <laughs> smash it's a rover isn't it yes, yes. Um, and they, but Maureen the daughter has left a note mm. Maureen ah Maureen ah Maureen she's left a note with the receptionist doesn't she yes. call the police I'm being kidnapped yeah and then you cut back to her mum mm-hmm in her sort of I suppose, house. in her house, mm. and again, Warren, you got dis- you keep getting distracted by set detail, don't mm. you? I do. And you saw there was a picture on the wall which you described as cartoon dogs. Yeah, it's, it's, it does look like dogs, <laughs> but it doesn't look like it's very usually, realistic. Yeah, usually you get something like I don't know, Laughing Cavalier, or, or the, the Blue Woman. Or the Blue Woman. Yeah. No, you got two cartoon dogs. Yeah, but you said stock kitchen cabinets again that yeah. you see in everything. Her accents moved again. Yeah. But I don't know if it's going north, south, east or west. I don't think she does either, really. <laughs> but then you get the detail that the mill closed down. Because yes. there was trouble at mill, wasn't trouble there? At, there was trouble at, at mill, yeah. Well, not that we expect the Spanish Inquisition, but... Nobody uh, expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> what was that? Is it... You can't read your own writing Warren then. says, oh God. Oh, every car, time he sees the card. Every, yeah, it says a shot oh, of the card. Um, <laughs> one gust of wind and the sign will blow off. <laughs> <laughs> that sign on the roof of the car is not good. But yeah, um, yeah, she takes no nonsense, and mm. then just in capital letters it says boots. <laughs> <laughs> Brackets Warren. <laughs> I'm not saying any more. <laughs> They're not even that sexy, to be honest. They're just sort of Commodore stand garden Commodore standard boots. Yeah. boots. Um, now, I know what I mean here. But it's interesting if you can work it out. En suite. Do you know what that refers to? Yeah, it's when they're in... Because he's, he's hiding out at the mill. Yeah. And he's got they've got like a blanket and, and stuff to sit on. And there's a bucket there, isn't there? A bucket, yeah. A bucket to pee in. <laughs> bucket and some absorbent newspaper. Yes. And she's not to make any cheeky moves. No. Yeah. Um, now, there's a very nice shot because... Um, um, the inspector's gone to investigate yeah, what, she goes what's in going there, on. And he marches her out at the end of the uh, gunpoint. Gun point. Mm. And there's a very nice just shot where they've they've got the camera pointing at the sun mm. and everybody yeah. comes out mm-hmm. and it effectively just becomes shadows, yes. doesn't it? It's it very does, nice. It also emphasises a point of... Uh, 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 a point of power, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, mm. Posi- sorry, position of power. Yeah. yeah. But... Uh, the, the knackered car is back. Yes, mm. and but he's just—he's just half-heartedly covered it with some sort. He's of camouflaged <laughs> it with highly some branches with some brown old <laughs> leaves, some scabby branches. About four thin yeah. branches. Look, yeah. they've got Dutch elm disease. But he takes the tire out of the police car. Yeah, mm. and I, I love the way that. <laughs> Did you notice though? But he managed to perfectly with a shotgun, which yeah. scatters out its shot. Yeah. They don't blow the hubcap off All right, or no. dent the hubcap. But I love the way Jean has to tell, um, is it Joseph? To, Joseph, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To use your personal radio <laughs> yeah. and, and they break out the firearms, don't yeah, they? Yeah, firearms are issues. Like, like he's just going to run up the road or something like that to tell them. <laughs> Anybody got five pence? <laughs> yeah. But there you is, remember, you've got a radio. Yeah, you know, we did it, give you one. There's a palpable sense of tension now building up. And this is the good thing. Um, you, you've at the beginning you have the apparent danger, mm. then you have the introduction of the new character, yeah. the attitude towards a 
but the tension is still underlying from the very first mm. scene. Yeah. And now it's yeah. racking up, isn't yes. it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, cut now to uh, the wife in the sort of... I've, we presume it's the interview room, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. um, there's an ashtray. Mm. You said there's no poster on the wall. Yeah. Now, what's this poster they should have? There's a poster that appears quite... Quite regularly. You'll see it when you come to the Anna Cartwright one that says um, details for people in police detention. All oh, right, okay. That, um, but it is quite darkly lit that room this time. Mm. Usually it's quite lightly lit, but um, it also looks smaller than usual. Yeah. Because you wonder, usually get back. F- I wonder if it's to hide the set a bit. Uh, um, May well yeah. be, yeah. But they've only got a bit of a set, so they've got to turn the lights down, and we'll get back to that later again. <laughs> um, yes, the accent. Oh, blimey, God knows where it is now. But um, <laughs> I think it's on a plane going somewhere. We've put rusty letters on the police car. God. It says police. Yeah, it's it's very rusty. Yeah, and it's almost like somebody's just put letter set on the side of the <laughs> door, isn't it? With police. Shh, um, shh. Probably have. They probably have. Yeah, um, but now. The hat, the hat changes mm. to the. To She's the, taken the white cover off of it again to camouflage herself yeah, a bit. So the hat is now black because the mm. firearms are out. Now you said about how uh, she leads from the front, that when they go to, so the the, the guy and the daughter are now in this. In it's cottage. Yeah. yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm. So she um, sort of goes to look in the window, and you said I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I wouldn't have put my mush against there. <laughs> and. Uh, but she definitely leads. This is what I do like. She leads from the front, mm. but technically, she if should have sent one of the should have sent somebody in. So you got forward observation point. Yeah, I got, distra- and they could use their personal radio. Yeah, personal radio. Yeah, uh, I got distracted um, by is it um, Roland's there? No. And I said Anorak or Kagul. I couldn't work out. No, no, no it's not CID, him. That's yeah. the CID officer. The C- oh, sorry. That's um, who's that? He's on here. Hang on. Uh, Yes, Detective De- Sergeant. Detective Sergeant Dave. Dave Melchett. Melchett. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Larder. Yes. Oh yeah. So he's got this coat this of some sort. Thing on, yeah, yes. and I couldn't work mm-hmm. out what it was. I wonder if it's a goal if it's got top. You know the cords mm. you pull on it. We'll, we'll, we'll look it. Yeah. We'll look it up later. Mm. And I've just put kaboom. Mm. <laughs> and he's because he smashes the window and fires, fires out. at them. Yeah. And they all leg it, sort of hunched over. <laughs> they, don't, they, they sort of crawl along a bit and they get up and none of them are dirty. They look like little chimpanzees yeah. running along. And because the police car's got two doors. <laughs> you have to sort of squidge in the back. Yeah. yeah. So they run along keeping low. Mm. Um, oh, they drive for and miles. And they drive for past about three houses. Mm. Now, this is, this is quite interesting. It was only afterwards we worked out why it's done like it is. They drive for... A considerable distance, mm. have a scene talking, and then they stop and they've travelled a hundred yards. <laughs> and it's because the scene is written longer than the, the, than the yeah. actual distance that they actually need to travel. So they've basically sort of gone round in a circle for no apparent reason, <laughs> just just to sort of burn Get up it. some petrol. Um, but police control arrive now. Ah, ah, so ah. All the vehicles converge, basically, of yes. every description. Now, the police control van, what's that? They're then? all neatly parked. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, we're in a nice line. line. Yeah, yes. yeah. But what, what's the police control van? What does that do? But, um, that's just carrying a load of coppers. I just think it, somebody's just thought, let's put the word control on it's, the side. It's got it. no special significance No, it's got then, no right? aerials or anything. It's not a control okay. point, no. Okay, so they all sort of... Um, Run and hide. So, so, so some bloke sort of runs and hides behind a skinny tree. 
Mm. They run into an anorexic mm. forest, don't they? So I'm just a splash for a little a stream. stream. They've got a dog. Mm. You were worried about the dog. I was worried you? about the dog. Yeah. yeah, I knew it wasn't going to get a shot because I've seen the program episode before. But I'm still <laughs> and, worried. And about basically, the dog. all this is to demonstrate that all hell is breaking loose. <laughs> yes. Um, and then at this point, you, we we said it's not going to end well, is it? Yes. If we, but if we go back to the first uh, scene. I'd like to muster. Uh, people for prey. I can only get five. Yeah, Where the hell has everyone else come yeah. from? Where have they come from? Other different parts of the division, maybe. Yeah, but they're, they're miles away because they've they all come got from there the... at the same time. That's yeah. the thing. They all arrive together. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the superintendent. Yeah. Well. Mm. <laughs> well, that's because they try to hurry him up by stopping him. By stopping him. Now, <laughs> now I, I said to you, Warren, about um, how you said there's nothing on the personal radio at any point. Yeah. And would. Would a lot of talk be going on at this point in this situation? Absolutely. There'd be a lot of updating each other, wouldn't there? Mm. About what was going on in this situation. But then we said uh, radio black spots. Yeah, I mean... Would they be prone to that in 1980? Yeah, we're looking at UHF radios here. Uh, If you get anything that's particularly high in front of them, it's going to block the signal. But you said there should be a booster in the car, is that right? Yep, there's a little, what they call a back-to-back set in the car. Right. You flick a switch and that will give you about half mile, three-quarter mile radius of a booster okay. to your radio. All right, oh God. Detail, you see, listeners, this is, this <laughs> is what you want. Yeah. Uh, and the loud hailers arrive. Yes. The, sing- has, the single loud hailer. Which has to have new batteries in it because the batteries won't work. Paul Ronan's had to go and buy them out of his well, own money. I bought, what was it? I bought six U2s out of my own money. <laughs> she tells him to keep the chips. And he says it with so much resentment, doesn't he? <laughs> he had to go down Woolworths or something. You know. And Q. Q, this is an emergency. No, so try the Q. There's like a load of kids having pick and mix and he's sort of <laughs> hopping up and down. You know. uh, <laughs> but yes uh, now George's hat is wrong apparently yes. who's George and why is George, his hat George wrong? is the other sergeant right okay and his hat's too big isn't it he's got a Scottish policeman's hat on yes, yes. and yeah. why why on earth would he have a Scottish policeman's hat on because that's all they could find it, yeah because everyone else's hat is fine he slashed the peak so um, I'm presuming that he's ex-military and they used to do that quite a bit with okay. their peaks. We're not allowed to do that But, but you said he, his hat is all big, isn't it? And it's it looks big. like a Russian submarine commander's hat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that will be, yeah, that will make it a, that's how the Scottish police have their hats. And suddenly the production team have got a camera crane from yeah. somewhere because you start getting all these high shots, high shots. and things yes. like that. So but they only true. seem to use it for the same sort of shot. It's don't just they? the cottage, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wonder if it got too windy throughout the Possibly, day. Yeah. Now this, yeah. this claim, we have this cottage surrounded and your response was, no, you haven't. Because yeah. <laughs> I can so, see there's nobody up that bit There's there. nobody up the other <laughs> end. Yeah. Surrounded means you've got a ring of a, steel a around steel, them. Yeah. But yeah. No, there's, everybody's just down behind the dry stone wall. Mm. Yeah. Keeping their heads down. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's got the loud hailer pointed at the ground. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the idea is that um, the chap and the daughter will escape. Yeah, yes. but did you also notice when they use the help, whenever you use a loud hailer for the first time, mm. you will say something naturally loud into it. It yeah. will get feedback. Oh, right, mm. yeah. But yeah. there was none of that. It was, uh, it was very professional. Yeah. Yeah. Very well trained. Mm. But yeah, the bloke shoots the dry stone wall. He yeah. does. There's no way on earth from the distance he's at. He will be able to hear a, um, the edge of that dry stone wall mm. and taking the lump off because a shotgun scatters. Yeah. 
Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like this. Uh, go away, Joseph. Mm. Just delivered. Yes. Very, very straight. He's been niggly, isn't he, Joseph? He wants us to wait till the superintendent gets there because the superintendent's got the experience. Yes. He's basically saying, you're not good enough. Yeah, to, to handle the to situation. To handle the situation. Yeah. You should leave it to a man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go yeah. with that, yeah. And then the ice cream, uh, not the ice cream van, the ambulance <laughs> turns up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote ice cream down on purpose. <laughs> Not only the ambulance, but the press as the well. The press, oh. one, one local newspaper man. From the Daily Chronicle. From the Daily or Chronicle or whatever it is, yeah. Hello, is that the Daily Chronicle? <laughs> now, you were concerned about the dad, how old he, he was, mm. weren't you? Because he does look a bit too old to be. Now, the dad, yes. who, who's, who's the He's dad? played by Tony Melody. Tony Melody, right. Who will go on to be the chief of police in Bergerac in the next year or so. Now, Tony Melody was born 1922. So he's obviously just an older dad. It yeah. is possible. They don't yeah. have central heating up there. <laughs> no, no, got to keep warm somehow. Where is Joanne Wally was born? When? 1961. 1961. She's playing the daughter. Yeah. yeah. We haven't said that. We, we did say that. Did we? Yes, we did. Okay, I'm on. Okay. We just said it again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got this coat on with, like, what was it we said? It's got toggles on it. It's like a duffel coat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah like with buttons, buttons, which are like pegs, aren't they? Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and then you suddenly start to notice that there's a load of wind on the soundtrack, mm. don't you? Because you get these sort of silent sequences, and all you, mm. all you can hear is the whistling of the wind. Yes which uh, you'll probably hear later. Um, <laughs> and Warren, your question mm. was, how do you shoot yourself with a shotgun? Yes. And I actually got the right answer. You get a friend to do it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's damn difficult to shoot yourself with a shotgun. Because all of a sudden it takes a bit of a nasty turn. It does take it does. a very dark turn. A very dark yeah. indeed. Yes. Yeah. And a little unexpected, probably from... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how the show was sort of trailered mm. or, or what the publicity mm. was at the time. I, I, I can remember viewing it for the first time mm. and there was a sudden moment where you stopped. Mm. And and you went, weren't expecting that's that. That's not mm. supposed to happen. Because yeah. that's not what you're used to, is it? Yeah, no. you, were, you were thinking it for a happy ending. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he shoots himself and you get a rather nice stunt as he's sort of blown backwards. Mm. Yeah. Um, and no matter how he sort of managed to yeah. do it in practical terms at yeah. no point do any of the policemen because his daughter's standing right there and at no point do any of them let, take her away they just let her stand there and look at the body they all come and they all come and have, body, a, have a gulp but nobody takes her away I'm waiting, I'm waiting for somebody to take her away and they don't and I love the bit where she goes to um, I think um Jean says, um, "Oh, her wife will have to identify his the wife. body." Yeah, mm. his wife will have to. I'm, I'm sorry, he's just blown his face yeah, off. Yeah, was there to identify? <laughs> oh, he's cut himself shaving. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I said, you know, the police are coming from all directions now. Yeah, I mean, you, all... you get a sh a, quite a high shot of them mm. all running towards the cottage. Yeah. Um, but the, the bloke yeah. from the press asked for a statement mm. from Joseph, and yes. Joseph is quite prepared to give a statement, which mm -hmm. mostly consists of a weather report, doesn't yes. it? Like it rained a bit, yes. and all of a sudden the radios are working. Yep. Yes, okay. mm. um, but it's described as a hell of a cock up, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because uh, John Ringham now turns up finally. Yeah. Like, like, too where, late where's he been yeah. Yeah. he's been stuck outside waiting for it to happen and then he comes in to just... he's been held up by the traffic car hasn't he yeah. that was sent out to stop him to tell him to hurry up yeah. 
But yeah, city or county morgue boss. Mm. Mm. You know, Joseph's being very practical already, isn't yes. he? Yeah. Uh, but I think he's just taking the chance to rub it in a bit. He is a little he? bit, yes. And uh, now we get the sort of um, sort of laying down of the law with to, their relationship. To, to Joseph. Yeah. Don't mm. ever call me boss. Mm. Call me mum. Call me mum. Don't open the car door for me. Don't open the canteen door for me. Don't help me over any fences. Yeah. I can manage myself. Mm-hmm. Make your own bleeding tea, though. Basically, yeah. she's saying, I'm here to stay. Yeah. Like it or lump it. I'm making my mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't like it, you know. What you, you can, you can do. always transfer, she yes. says to him, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Now cut to her in a darkened room mm. oh. with a reading lamp on. Yeah. Let's finish on a high, shall yeah. we? Because mm. uh, she's, uh, as, she's as doing we said, her report. This looks atmospheric, but yeah. in practical terms, it's a bonkers way to write your mm. report. Absolutely. Yeah. She'd have a migraine yeah. by yeah. then. Because yeah. it's not the brightest light bulb in the lamp, is no. it? No. Mm. But yeah, she's on the. Fo- uh, Phone to her husband. What sort of day did you have? <laughs> Which uh, is perhaps not the best yeah. sort of question. Fairly rubbish, really. Question. And you said she's got a man's tie on. Yes, because the yes. women wear checked ones, don't they? Right. Um, it depends which force you're in. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, metro- but they're bigger, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The, um, in those days, yeah, women would have still worked because the uniform, the, there was nothing special about the, the women's uniform other than the tunic being slightly different design. The shirts would have been a man's shirt. And, what, right, okay. and what's the last thing she does in the episode, Lisa? Farts. Oh, she <laughs> she sucks her thing, licks her finger for some reason. Provocatively. <laughs> it was a provocatively. Honestly. So, so it was a saucy ending. Yeah. <laughs> Run titles. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shot. That's, <laughs> That's the money shot. <laughs> I think she's just, it's, like, it's meant to be like a worry thing, I think. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, she didn't do it like that. Stop uh, it, Warren. It's more like this. Mm. Oh. Okay, can we stop now, please? <laughs> She's very disturbing. This article was taking a very disturbing turn. <laughs> Good job that wasn't on video. I think it is. But yeah, as a as an opening episode, I have to say it's incredibly strong. Mm, it's a very very promising start. But you'd expect nothing less from to, Ian, to, Ian Kennedy Martin to to the series. But <laughs> do you it, think the bar's too high though? I can only go down. Possibly, yeah. I mean, you can't maintain a level. Well, it's very dramatic, but you do get a lot of quite dark sequences. Because you said, what's the one about the baby? Oh God, yeah. There's there's an episode later on in the series where I think the mother's got postnatal depression, and you you cut from a scene and you you're left with the impression that she's harmed the baby. Mm. Yes, but then you cut that, back yeah. to it, and she's the left the baby fine. on its own. Yeah, yeah. But the baby's fine. Fine, yeah. But you're like, oh my god! And then there's one about a bear, and I'm like, oh yeah, my god! That is a bit of <laughs> random <laughs> thing. Um, who's it's a uh, chap from Quater Bass in the Pit, isn't it? John Stratton yeah. and two doctors. Yes. Um, he he's a Polish gentleman. Is he yeah. a Polish gentleman? I, mean, I keep a bear in my backyard. How did he get it home? Did he take it on the quietly? <laughs> Shaved it of his jumper when put it was a, small. Put a hat on it. Got <laughs> <laughs> it's carrying a suitcase with a label. Bought out the railway Please station. Look after this bear. <laughs> anyway, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Yeah, no, we should just talk right, about so, that, that whole, yeah. the whole era now, very briefly. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't seen all of them, no, have we? No, um, we've seen. You've we've, seen more than me, Lisa. Yes. I think Warren's seen more than us. Yes, Warren's so, seen. So, all what of are them. some other standout episodes from the, from, from the first Jean, three years? Yeah. From Jean Darbley's. Yeah. 
Uh, well, you've got the. If we go into the next season. Okay, let's have a look then. There we go. You, Can you see that? Yep. Um, I, I'm assuming Aunt Sally isn't about Eunice Dubs. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think which is the one where the uh, wayward lad nicks the three wheel disabled car. I haven't and seen it. And hides it in the quarry. I haven't no, seen it very seriously. That's the light hearted. Well, that doesn't sound light hearted, but they have a chase. Uh, cue the brass band playing. Oh in God! Okay. <laughs> playing William Tell right. while they're all chasing him round the town. Now, I the, think that might have been season one. We've we seen the, the one with the kid with the, the coins. coins. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's that about? I can't remember. But isn't he he's in got, care and he's got these coins or something? Hmm. I'm not yeah. sure. But yeah, um, the other day we saw the Colin Baker yeah, one, from, didn't we? Which, which is teamwork. Which is the intruder. The intruder. Oh, intruder. Sorry. The intruder. Yes. My apologies. Yes. And we just better briefly say about that that Colin Baker's playing this sort of dodgy sort. Yes, isn't he's, he? a, he's a sort of he's a Can't safe drive. cracker. <laughs> it, well, he does knock the thing down, doesn't he? Yeah. I was jumps, going, oh he my god! The, the but did you actually lights. notice he actually moves the traffic island because it's <laughs> not bolted down? But, but yeah, he's, he's a bit of a wrongman, isn't he? He's yes. like some sort of. Well, I don't know, major criminal, but criminal that's moved into the area, yes. yeah. isn't he? And they're concerned about what he's going to do. Yeah. yeah. But that that was um, on very recently on because it's last Thursday. It's, it's showing on what it's UK currently TV, showing on on drama. UKTV um, drama. Oh, yeah. but and it's but it's a little tiny bit cut to fit the slot. Yeah. You thought of something, Warren? Yeah, that's not. I'm going to add on from no, that can. one. It started on a dark story. Yeah. Her reign finishes on a very dark story. Okay. Where there's muck. So what's that it's about? It's about uh, fly tipping of chemicals. Well, that's written by Chris Boucher, just now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there's a local firm are going out and dumping unknown chemicals, well, they know they're poison, yeah. into the, onto the moors. Okay. And there are these two kids that discover these barrels whilst flying their remote control aircraft. And she finds it, she goes up onto the moors at the end and finds one of the kids calling for help. Yeah. And the other kid's dead. Oh, wow. And that she's, sounds a bit doom watchy yeah, to me. She's yeah. in absolute bits about it. Yeah. Um, which is because, as you, you, I was always saying, to, as I said to Lisa earlier, I found her a very cold character. Mm. But I, I get the motivations. But as Lisa says, she does soften, and that mm. I can always remember that scene. And then it finishes. It completely changes because she's then. This is the last shot of her with the two sergeants going to a social do. Yeah. And that's the wonderful shot of them, you know, she's Oh, got she's got one on each arm. One on each I've arm. I've seen that shot. And they freeze frame the shot yeah. and zoom in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's the end of her And that's period. the end of her yeah. period there, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. There but it, it's still a very, very dark story. Mm. Okay. And well, we will be looking at the next Juliet Bravo. Absolutely. We'll, we'll carry on with this um, in, the, in the future with... Well, probably with, probably in this episode. Well, we'll see. Yes. With uh, seasons four, five and six. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you all again soon then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Entertainment for Saturday night on BBC One. In 15 minutes, another round of Larry Grayson's Generation Game with his Saturday go, Isla Sinclair. At 10 past 7, Juliet Bravo presents Inspector Gene Darbley with a mystery. The other bit of news is from just down the road. Old Daisy Herrick's disappeared. Daisy? Yes, ma'am. With Phil Silvers at 11.40, this is the lineup of entertainment for Saturday night on BBC One. Thank you, Mr. Warren, for yes, helping. Thank you, Warren. Always good to have you. It was fun, yes, it? yes. And considering how um, dark 
that episode yeah is. We, we thought we had to make it a bit fun because yes. Yes. but of course warren always gives you a real life perspective on yeah, this it's, it's very know. interesting i mean yeah. the fact he, he just groans every time he sees the police yeah. guards <laughs> and the hat the thing about the hat's really interesting yeah. as well george's hat but this is you know proper detail we give you yes um just to clear up the uh, schedule mm-hmm. for shotgun um bbc one runs with the dukes of hazard at 10 past five mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's my excuse um, news is at six o'clock and sport leisure high is at quarter past six mm-hmm. larry grayson's generation game at 6 40 mm-hmm. and then shotgun is on at 7 35 to 8 25 right that is really 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 too early <laughs> for what goes on in that episode yeah um because i think there is a swear word in there not it's not a huge swear word. it's only like a bloody okay. or something but and um, but yeah it's the fact that yeah what happens in it and how he kills himself at the end of it and mm. oh it's really early it feels like it should be on after nine o'clock yeah but to give just a quick short other perspective on mm-hmm. shotgun we're very pleased to re- welcome the writer michael dennis who yes. found uh, a little bit of time in his uh, very yeah. busy schedule. Yes. Uh, we asked him a couple of weeks ago if yes. he could could do it, and he man- he managed to fit us in. He did. So we're very grateful. He's very fond of Juliet Brown. Yes, indeed. Both uh, of them. If you follow him on on Twitter, mm. um, you'll you'll find some Juliet Bravo stuff there. Mm-hmm. So he'll give us just a, a few words about Shotgun, and then uh, we'll come back with something yes. else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Coming to Shotgun all these years hence will be a surprise to most people for whom the words Juliet Bravo have taken on the status of punchline, if not indeed safe word. There's nothing cosy or pat about this 50 minute episode, it's as hard nosed and plain speaking as its title. It opens with a man, Rodney Maskell, a performance of plausibly contained fury from Tony Malady, driving to a terraced house and threatening his wife with the titular weapon in order to leave with their teenage daughter. The scene lasts a little under three minutes, contains barely over a dozen lines and is stomach-tightening, not only for the violence intimated, but also the reaction to it. Many of the characters we meet in this episode are biting their tongue, or having it bitten for them, and writer Ian Kennedy Martin is adept at sketching in a whole world in the few words that they utter. And what is that world? The economically depressed north of the late 1970s, a landscape of closed terraces and back alleys, of cobbled hills and door latches before the high street had withered and bloomed again strangely with phone shops and tanning salons and nail bars and looming over it all, bleak and beautiful and dangerous, the Moors. When Kennedy Martin was researching the series, he spoke to Inspector Wynne Darwin of the Lancashire Constabulary, who, amongst other things, told him, you can tell which of these towns is poorest. They haven't knocked down their old mill chimneys for redevelopments. It's an old mill that Maskell seeks refuge in mid-episode, his former workplace that closed down last year, where he was earning good money, 80, 90 pound a week, and it's this redundancy that's the implied catalyst for his actions now. Money, or its absence, threads through the whole episode. Tom, Inspector Darbley's husband, is unemployed, a fact we find out during a scene where they discuss in detail the state of their finances while working out whether they can afford to buy a house. For viewers in the space year 2018, the figures mentioned are a kind of violence in themselves. 
The regular informant who turns up at the station only does so on the promise of a fiver for each lead he can give. And during the climactic stakeout, the police megaphone is found to have flat batteries, with one of the PCs having had to buy six U2s out of his own money. Make out a chitty, he's told, though not now. Those flat batteries can be seen as an emblem for institutional failure. I don't believe in the national health. I don't believe they cure anyone of anything, says Maskell, paying for a private doctor to see his daughter, played by Joanne Wally, six years before donning nurses' starched whites herself and arousing Michael Gambon's interest. While in a secondary strand, a man whose daughter has potentially been raped vows emphatically that he won't allow it to go to court. What outdated whiff of a bygone age is this, we wonder, wincing in anticipation. But he's been to court before, claiming compensation for my foot, and, well... I'm going to quote at length. They don't speak the same bloody language as me and you in these courts. They don't speak the King's English, and you bet they like a bit of dirt they can discuss and get a kick out of. And these bastard lawyers and judges, by the time they're through with it, it's all upside down, inside out, all lies. Do you want to put a 16-year-old girl through all that? With apologies to Jackie Shin, who impresses in that single scene, it's a brilliant example of Kennedy Martin's understanding and depiction of how a stone face might reveal itself, if we take a step back, to be the wall of a sanctuary. Here, trust has to be earned. The bar is high and grudges last long. Which brings us to Inspector Jean Darbley herself. What impresses in this opening episode is not only Stephanie Turner's assured and natural performance, but also how the format is underplayed. When we join her, she's been in post exactly 14 days, and, bar a few verbal double-takes, and for the viewer, the overt flipping of gender expectations with her husband, she has a job, he's at home worrying the dinner will spoil, the issue of her sex is played out entirely through her relationship with Sergeant Joe Beck. He is openly, if tersely, aggressive, though by the episode's conclusion, Jean has given him a thorough dressing down, setting out her stall as the lead character. Satisfyingly, this happens against a backdrop of her having failed within the narrative and in the eyes of most of her men, despite, for the viewer, doing a more than able job in an impossible situation. She has our sympathy entirely and she's earned it, though we're in no doubt that there are going to be many more days like this before she's doubled that fortnight and completed her first month. And thus it might have continued, except it seems Kennedy Martin and producer Terence Williams were expecting a post-Watershed slot and were surprised and disappointed to be given one pre-Watershed. So no broad language, gut-wrenching dramas, etc., as Kennedy Martin lamented. Certainly, this first episode positions itself as tough meat. There's no surprise in learning that this comes from the same pen as the man responsible for the Sweeney. And while it might show a world of economic destitution, director David Reynolds makes it look a million dollars. His choice of shot, tight-cutting and use of handheld cameras serve the script impeccably. The opening scene alone is hard to reconcile retrospectively with the familiar and much-loved theme and title sequence that preceded. The programme continued for six series, surviving a change of lead halfway through and with much to recommend it, especially when it drilled down on character or pushed hard against the confines of the format. Coming to it fresh is the oddness of much of the succeeding episodes that beguile. But it would never be like this ever again. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Yes, thank you. That was really very interesting to listen to. Yes, always, yes. always, always, always lovely to get yes. get new people new, on new board, people, and yes. Uh, yes. we definitely leave a um, open invitation. Yes, if you want to come back, if you want and to come back and do more or do, do something else, or do something else. Please 
don't hesitate we will to be very willing to talk to us yes. anyway um mm. we should say that michael's dvd and book yes are available yes it's not just his book well, it's not his book no. but it's um, he's involved because he wrote an episode for the uh, bbc anthology series uh, queers mm-hmm. last year which which um marked the 50th anniversary of the partial legalisation of, of homosexuality. Yeah, my, uh, Michael's one is... It's uh, a grand day a out. Grand day out. Not to be confused with the Wallace and Gromit episode, <laughs> a grand day out. That's a whole different story. It is. Um, but yes, the DVD is out, the Blu-ray is coming out later in the year, okay. and there's a book of all the scripts. Oh, yes. Um, his and all the other people You've got that, that have included. You? I have somewhere, yes. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure where now. Things tend to get buried quite quickly. But yeah. in the background of his episode yes. on the wall, yes. you can see a Juliet Bravo There's picture. A, a Juliet Bravo picture, which is thanks to Mark Gatiss, who, knowing that he liked Juliet Bravo, got the, the production the designer to put them in, the crew ah, to put that's it in. Great. Yeah. Right. Okay, who's who's up next? I'm not sure who is up next. I, th- I think it's probably Martin Holmes. I think isn't it probably it? is, yes. And I think he's going to look at Space 1999. <laughs> problem with Space 1999. Against a blank white backdrop, a hero with one black sleeve, and apparently played by a bloke called Martin, stands chisel-jawed, uniformed and uber-dramatically as an inspiring fanfare blares out. Seconds later, against a black backdrop, presumably to show off her whiter version of the uniform so much better, is Mrs. Barbara Bain, does much the same. These are the Landau's, Famous already for appearing together in the first three seasons of Mission Impossible, and perhaps more famously for bailing on that same series at the very height of its success. Something has brought them to a grim and soggy England in those peculiar few post-1960s years, and that something is the lore of Pinewood, Sir Lou Grade and Jerry Anderson's latest live-action venture, a vision of the near future set nearly three decades hence, on the very brink of a promising new millennium. Moonbase Alpha is calling them. And, for the next several years, they will be living in and beyond the space year 1999. Space 1999 was a huge series in its day, born out of the embers of Jerry Anderson's UFO in the early 1970s, riding on the coattails of both 2001 A Space Odyssey and the UK success of Star Trek. It was expensive to make, looked expensive on screen, and featured what are still some of the best special effects work ever seen on television. 
and yet it remains much unloved and, to certain minds, either a bit too po-faced for its own good or quite simply a spectacularly stupid premise. And yet, when you rewatch that first year, there's some clever, high-concept, downright cerebral stuff going on, and whilst it might be just a touch too wordy for the viewer seeking out thrills and spills galore in their television series at about a time when the Sweeney were burning rubber and running around all over the place in their own version of high-octane drama, it is, of itself, rather well-made stuff and still features several explosions and lots of fighting, albeit in a slow-mo, space-suited, science-y way. When Science Geeks Go Mad, coming to you soon on Channel 5. Quite a few years ago, I won the DVD set of the first series in a competition in SFX magazine. You had to complete a sentence that went something like, If I had built a moon base, I'd call it. And I wittily added, Bloody lucky to be still there, five years down the line. Because... This was the early 2000s, and luckily for us, the moon was still resolutely hanging there in our sky. Anyway, after all the excitement of that died down, having sampled a favourite or forgotten episode or two, it took me several years, and the arrival of Series 2 on DVD, to get round to actually watching the entire series right the way through from start to finish. But when I did, I was actually rather impressed. So, as I once again popped that first episode breakaway, as far as I know the only TV pilot named after a biscuit, what is it precisely that we see? There's a lot of impressive model work, a lot of exposition, and one massive set piece that sets up the series and takes the closed world of Alpha Moonbase on a rather incredible journey. Across a rather languid 50 minutes, quite a lot actually happens, although quite a lot of it does happen quite slowly, as the influence of Stanley Kubrick is obviously determining how space things ought to be filmed. If you remember that scene on the Space Wheel featuring Leonard Rossiter in 2001, there is lots of thoughtful mumbling in huge empty white sets. Captions inform us that we are on the dark side of the moon in the post-Floyd space month of September 1999. Two astronauts with funky space mini-televisions ride in a moon buggy to the nuclear waste disposal area too and start loading up things marked with labels saying radiation. I'm sure that'll end well. The first words spoken on screen in Space 1999 are Professor Bergman, which is interesting given his ultimate eventual disappearance, and we find this elderly gentleman monitoring brain activity with a space doctor who seems quite trembly of lip. Meanwhile, on a space transporter, only very reminiscent of a similar scene in 2001, the new commander of Moonbase Alpha is informed via black-and-white television that his appointment has been approved by Commissioner Simmons as played by Roy Detrice, about whom we will be finding out far too much and far too little later on. They burble on about the mission to Meter, seeking out new life on a planet sending signals that might indicate life. And over some beautiful space footage and impressive model work of a probe ship docking, it turns out that they think Meta might have an atmosphere. If I was them, banding around phrases like atmosphere might be something I'd avoid at the moment, but never mind. There's some ominous chat about a virus which mustn't be allowed to stop the project, and as the thing of beauty that is an eagle transporter flies on, already down below, terrible things are afoot. Astronaut Nordstrom goes bonkers and has a slow-mo space fight with his colleague before being zapped in a laser doorway. He's dead long before this, of course, because his space helmet visor opens during the fight, but I guess one take Lee Cat H. Cat's in, thought nobody would ever notice. And then, with a truly thrilling drum roll, the opening titles begin with the aforementioned main star sequences and a rather spectacular spectacular montage to the sound of, I think, the better and certainly more epic version of the two theme tunes the series had during its run.
Using the popular this episode technique, which tantalizes without giving too much away in a Mission Impossible way, and then segues via Barry Morse into the regular September 13th, 1999 sequence, which is also this episode, and does rather give the game away. Not that we cared much when I was 11. This was far too exciting. Sadly, the pace of the episode doesn't really live up to this for the average 11-year-old, but I rather prefer it nowadays. Like a fine wine, Breakaway has matured. Let's also take a swift and pointless moment to point out the other similarity with Mission Impossible alongside its stars and the preview in the credits, and that's the colon mid-title. Okay, it's not much, but distinctive punctuation is always worth noting. Anyway, Koenig arrives on Alpha, and we are introduced to the Alphan transportation system known as the Travel Tube, and whilst the commander pauses to take a moment, let's also take a moment to notice those space-age chairs therein. Exiting the Travel Tube, he greets Victor, who somehow got caught on Alpha, which may be Barry Morse wondering about whether his contract for the Zoo Gang somehow got carried over to this series. Still, as he says, people are dying, John, and that, de that line is delivered with suitable gravitas to ensure that we are going to rather like the old professor. Let's hope he sticks around for the long haul, eh? There's a cough and a spit for the late great Philip Maddock as the departing ex-commander Gorski, wishing his successor good luck, and then John Koenig is welcomed back by an impressively diverse crew to the impressively huge main mission set, like the old friend that Gorski obviously wasn't. There's then some odd science about the non-virus that looks like but isn't radiation sickness striking down the astronauts, some bunkers astronomy about the current position of meta, and via the ooh, I want one of them tiny tellies magic of comlock porn, we are introduced to Dr. Helena Russell, who doesn't seem all that taken with her new boss, despite his efforts to bond with her over some antique medical equipment. There's some chat about unusual brain damage, and the mystery of what's going on over at Nuclear Disposal Area 2, with lots of thoughtful close-ups and talk about medical risks, and the decision being the commander's in a death-shifting of responsibility from the Doctor. Next, Koenig meets Alan Fairdinkum Cobber Carter, one of the Eagle pilots in an Eagle Bay, surprisingly buzzy with, buzzing with activity beyond the windows behind him. And whilst Carter worries about the backdrop, the backup crew... There's more languid thoughtfulness as it becomes apparent that John Koenig has the weight of the world, or at least the moon, upon his rounded shoulders. Not helped by another call from that pesky Commissioner Simmons, which leads to some conflict over whether the atomic waste should continue to be sent up from Earth. I don't know, these days every household must be churning out the wretched stuff. Must be all those newfangled microwave ovens, I suppose. Anyway, politics will out, and the priority is still the metaprobe for reasons, and it turns out that Simmons told a great big lie about the illness and still insists that it must all be kept very hush-hush. Bloody politicians. We already hope the slimy so-and-so is going to come to a sticky end. Anyway, instead of delegating, like the true hero of an action series, off Johnny Boy goes with Victor to check Area 2 for radiation leaks, and, as they make the standard navigation turn over Area 1, their pilot, astronaut Collins, starts to show signs that he too has started to get the twitches at about the point where the first ad break would have been, probably. No radiation leaks are found, and whilst there's some more of that slow-mo acting on the lunar surface, behind John and Victor we see the twitching hand of Collins, who is having eye trouble, and when his eye finally glazes over, he goes berserk enough to try and get outside without a spacesuit and causes the first explosive decompression of the series. It won't be the last. Still, our heroes survive, returning to main mission, and an upset Carter, whilst Dr. Russell is busy switching off life support for his former colleagues and raising the body count of nine by a further two. 
Koenig mulls over everything over whilst drinking from a kiddie cup and hearing voiceovers basically telling us the story so far just in case we missed any of it. Meanwhile, the computer department, currently run by a chap named Boomer and not the more familiar David Kano, who, I suppose, is about to get a spectacular off-screen promotion, sets to work on doing some detective work with the help of some rather quaint paper printouts. Finally, someone notices that Area 1 is getting far too hot, but it is also far too late, and it explodes. Anyway, after this, John Koenig, like the true hero of an action series, heads off in an eagle to check things out, and a magnetic burst causes him to crash. After his rescue, Dr. Russell gives him a hard time, telling him that they're looking for answers, not heroes. So that's him told. I don't imagine he'll ever do anything like that again. This, of course, means that when they discover magnetic energy forces of incredible violence emanating from Area 2, and there's a possibility that it will also blow, he won't be responsible for any more lives and orders everyone in from out of the surface. Instead, a remote control eagle is sent to monitor the area, leading to some tense scenes as Paul Morrow, the sun come out, Paul Morrow, flies it from main mission via black and white telly as people look at clipboards meaningfully. Moonbase Alpha was obviously stopped by a government making severe cutbacks. Anyway, the eagle goes bang rather impressively, and emergency code Alpha 1 is called just so that Koenig can sweatily utter the immortal line, now we're sitting on the biggest bomb man's ever made. The emergency code brings Simmons up from the earth to kick some bottom, and in a big special effects sequence, eagle freighters start trying to reduce the mass of radioactive canisters in Area 2 by just dropping them anywhere else, whilst Victor worries although not generally about the human follies over environmental impact, as it's still only the early 70s, really, and nobody's all that fussed. The soundtrack sounds a bit carry-on film here, too, which is odd. But then Carter takes off in Eagle One, which clearly has a six written on the door, which probably means that their call sign system is a bit of a farce, probably designed by Sir Humphrey Appleby. Koenig and Simmons then have an almighty row in the middle of which Area 2 finally blows up, meaning several stunt alphans get to smash through windows as the bonkers physics mean the rest of them get to do some pressure of gravity acting whilst lying on the drums, sorry, main mission floor. The moon, or at least a cardboard cutout facsimile of the moon, then moves out of orbit as Carter watches. Koenig, like a true hero of an action series, is the only one able to manage to move to respond to Carter's messages and, as the rest of the pressure compensates, it is left to Victor to explain how Area 2 is acting like a huge rocket motor, ahem, and they are able to watch themselves floating off thanks to the satellite orbiting Mars. And so it is left to Koenig to ask the computer whether they can make it home, and as it rubs down its green letter set to answer him about contingency plan exodus, it rather helpfully suggests that a human decision is required, leaving John Koenig, like a true hero of an action series, to make some big lame speech about them having power, environment, and the possibility of survival if they stay put, and if they improvise without trail plots or full resources, they will be bound to fail to get back, ending with a big rallying cry of, um, in my judgement we do not try. Inspiring stuff, eh? And as the news reports from a devastated Earth tells of the party they're having at finally getting rid of this bunch of moribund folk and losing Commissioner Simmons as a Brucey bonus, we find out that there are, or at least were, 300 people living on Alpha and nobody knows or cares whether they have survived. Meanwhile, signals from Meta are still there to be followed, so they might be achieving their mission, albeit in a slightly different way than planned. And as Commander Koenig ponders whether their future could well maybe be there, it isn't, but what the hey, he repeats it in voiceover to emphasise that dead end of a plot point as the end credits roll. I have in front of me a book by John Javner, 
that I picked up in the late 1980s. It's an American book, republished in Britain, called The Best Science Fiction TV, and like many such books, it does exactly what it says on the cover, being basically a list of the best of the best chosen by a bunch of American critics. Star Trek is quite predictably number one, and oddly, Doctor Who makes a creditable fifth place after The Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits and Hitchhikers, and so on down to The Adventures of Superman in 15th place. Then, being critics, they also pick the ten worst, and there, right at the top, as the all-time worst, is Space 1999, garnering such helpful comments as the series wasn't produced, it was committed like a crime, and the characters were basically running around like rats in a box, and I got tired of waiting for them to start gnawing on each other. Ouch. So, what basically was wrong with it? What, if anything, precisely is the problem with Space 1999? And, if we were to try and remake it today, what exactly would we have to change and put right? Well, firstly, and most obviously, there's that title to think about. 1999 has come and gone, and our lunar exploration adventures have not come to pass in much the way that the world, all excited and geared up by the Apollo missions, might once have predicted, would have happened in the next half century, way back in the white heat of the early 1970s. I've heard a few rather lame-sounding suggestions, but time-shifting 100 years and calling the show Space 2099 really doesn't have the same rhythm to it, in my opinion. Why not just call it Moonbase Alpha, which does, at least have a certain recognisable branding attached to it even after all these years. I also think that the best way to improve the show would be to open it up. Why shouldn't there also be other moon bases all the way through to Moonbase Omega and beyond if necessary? After all, both the series Moonbase 3 and Star Cops refer to other moon bases, so it does kind of make sense, especially in a closed community. Otherwise, you have 300 people who, given the weekly body count and the lack of breeding that goes on, would dwindle down to just your regulars fairly swiftly. Somewhere in that 300 are Brian Blessed and Patrick Mower, by the way, so you do wonder how they're kept quiet all the time. After all, it might also explain Tony Vergeshi's sudden rise to power at the start of Series 2, if he'd been transferred in, rather than just hiding in a cupboard for a year. In fact, if the Moon Colony consisted of around 300,000 people, all scattered around the Sea of Tranquility or somewhere, perhaps running industrial mining operations or solar farms, the storytelling opportunities are opened up several fold. And some metals being mined would suggest that you could rebuild that limited number of eagle transporters that keep getting blown up. Interestingly, the lack of storylines directly addressing the finite nature of the resources of Moonbase Alpha, especially the human resources, is an interesting problem that the original series seldom addresses. And there's also rarely a hint of rebellion amongst the command structure or insurrection either, both of which would be rich dramatic seems to mine. Also... Why are they happy to keep putting on the uniform every day under such circumstances? And why would you suddenly decide to redesign your uniforms in that situation? And Freiburger knows why the Moonbase graphic design department decided to spend their time redesigning all the Moonbase typography to keep them busy. Still, I suppose that if you've got a Moonbase graphics department, they have to do something to amuse themselves when surrounded by all those long faces and seriously minded folk being so terrifically calm about absolutely everything coming at them. This straight laced bunch of space science types did tend to treat everything terribly earnestly and ironically it was the humans who were one of the ways the show tended to alienate its audience in the original attempting to humanize this po-faced crew was arguably the one good idea that the late freddy Fareiberger got right when he came in to allegedly fix the show in the second year that he got it so spectacularly wrong in sidelining so many established characters is unfortunate but perhaps a discussion for another time, another place. If anything, if only he could have made more of the ensemble cast, maybe 
the audience might have forgiven many of the other changes he brought in, although the, with the weekly body count being what it was by the time that second year came along, they could have moved my ambition inside a wardrobe and still had plenty of room to swing a space alien. Ah, maybe that's where they found Tony. Chief bottle washer, promoted spectacularly in the absence of anyone else being left. In fact, the dwindling resources of the moon colonists really would be a great story arc to follow, as it was in several episodes of the rather excellent Battlestar Galactica remake a few years ago. Also a good science fiction allegory, making us all more aware of our own little spaceship Earth with its own limited and increasingly finite resources might not be the worst thing to build a series about. What this hypothetical Moonbase Alpha series also badly needs is some other form of bonkers science to justify the wandering moon whizzing around the universe and visiting a new planet on a weekly basis when it takes ordinary man-made objects decades to even escape the solar system. It doesn't even need to be particularly good science, just different science, something that is just about implausible enough to make sense of the plot. After all, warp drive is basically nonsense, but it makes enough sense for the Starship Enterprise to go gadding about all over the place. Maybe something involving dark matter, or perhaps the energy release causing a tear in the fabric of space that links all points in the universe through hyperspace portals, or something like that. Something plausibly implausible, if you get my drift. As long as it makes some sort of narrative sense within the show itself, viewers will forgive an awful lot of gobbledygook. You see, there's not really a great deal wrong with the ideas behind Space 1999, as long as you get the characters right, and the situation itself feels vaguely believable. After all, it's perfectly reasonable that Simmons could disappear for a couple of months on a tour of the outer limits of a larger moon colony in order to further his own political aims within what is now a more finite and lawless world, whereas him just locking himself in a cupboard until the plot needs him again is far more bizarre, unless he had Tony tied up in there leaving Paul Morrow to fill in for him until someone manages to find him. I do like the idea of outposts, small lighthouse towers, powering the defence screen, tiny lunar farms, specialist fruit growers suddenly realising their own importance, or private mining companies holding the bases to ransom for those much-needed rare metals. Heck, they might even want to explore the after-effects of a massive radiation burst on the community at large, or the frustrations of children who were brought to the moon colonies by their parents and now have no way of getting back home. So many possibilities opened up simply by expanding the lunar landscape before the accident happens. The new series might even want to explore what life becomes like for an Earth abandoned by its satellite, or the families left behind insisting upon some attempt at a rescue mission. Heck, the difficulties of life on Earth post-moon might be a fascinating spin-off in itself, you never know. Weirdly, just that opening episode, Breakaway, has so many strands running through it, much like was done with Battlestar, a rather excellent six-part mini-series might work terribly well before you even get to the Big Bang. Investigating the mystery virus, preparations for the mission to Meta, the relationship tensions, all the internal politics with command replacement, shortage of funds, and Commissioner Bloody Simmons would fill six hours in a very satisfactory manner. Just don't let Freddy Freiberger get his hands on it. Thank you very much to Martin, Mr. Martin. Yes, yes, that's, that. that's another lovely, interesting article. Yes, and of course, Martin will be back next time. Yes. We do have a little correction, I yes. believe. Yes. Um, about Juliet Bravo, because yes. Warren had said about the episode 
with the bear in, which is called Cages. It is. And he yes. thought the chap with the bear was played by John Stratton. And he's not. And he's played by John Rumney. Yes. John Stratton does appear in Juliet Bravo. But not for a couple of years after that one. No, he appears in 1983 in Backtrack and 1985 in Flesh and Blood. Mm-hmm. And playing two different characters, um, mm-hmm. William Minty and John Batley. Okay. And Minty and Batley sound like some sort of dreadful musical act, don't they? Do, they do, yes. Yeah. They're some sort of terrible comedians. Mm. But to round off the issue, Warren yes. returns as we jump ahead to the next Juliet Bravo, yes, as it were. To this uh, fourth series, I think it is. Yes, yeah, series. series four, uh, episode mm. one, yes. Teamwork. Yes. So as this episode's already running long, mm-hmm. um, we'll just crash straight into the end credits yes. after that. So we'll say thank you for listening. Yes, and we'll see you in... We won't see you, we'll be talking to you in episode 25. Which will be our silver anniversary one. It will be, and in in August, and we'll be looking into the mystery of... Jack. The Ripper. Bye-bye. Bye. Highlights for Saturday on BBC One. At 5.45, Noel Edmonds invites you to a late breakfast. This week, I'm going to take you to the circus. We've got a galaxy of home videos, music from Huey Lewis and the News, and it's all live. At 6.35, Bob Monkhouse invites four new contestants to enter his full house. In Juliet Bravo at 7.10, Kate Longton is the subject of a competition. Women in the police service. I'm trying to get a really punchy opening. But all I've got up to now is... Nowadays, there are a lot of women in the police force. What about nowadays, there are too many women in the police force? Paul Daniels returns at 8 o'clock with a hand from the audience and special guests Ron Dart and from the USA, Avner the Eccentric. At 8.40, the repercussions of the trial are felt in the Carrington dynasty. You lied in that courtroom today, didn't you? This week's guests on Wogan at 9.30 include Sophia Loren and Bucks Fizz. Highlights for Saturday evening on BBC One. Hello again. Hello. Hey, grand southerners. <laughs> Juliet Bravo, mm-hmm. series yes. four. Yes. Now, teamwork. Yes. Starring Anna Carteret, mm-hmm. Inspector Kate Longton. Mm-hmm. So, Warren, what's happened? Why have we got a, a new a new face? Well, um, Stephanie Powers, I was going to say. <laughs> Stephanie, <Powers>. Stephanie Turner <laughs> has gone and faced her greatest evil, the giant spiders. All right. But the radiation has killed her off. Okay. And she's collapsed in her office and Joe Becker's come in just as she's changed. <laughs> and he says, oh, right, bye, Eck, here we go again. But here, want to get him a darts. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um... <laughs> But it doesn't explain it at all, does it? She just leaves. She leaves and comes back as someone else. Yes, yeah. okay. No, no, it, they actually change the character full stop, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But we ran a poll, the changing face of Juliet Bravo. Who is the best Juliet Bravo? And It's a woman. The winner's yes, a woman. And, and a woman won, amazingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fairly evenly matched, actually. Stephanie Turner... Uh, got 46% and Anna Carter got 54% but mm-hmm. uh, a few people refused to, to vote to vote, saying that they were splendid moms both of them mm. so there we go But um, she got hold of Herbalisha Beacons mm, yeah. <laughs> indeed uh, but Teamwork by Ian Kennedy Martin mm-hmm. um, shown on the 3rd of September 1983 mm-hmm how old were I? I'm 13 then. All right. I was 11. 
I was ancient. <laughs> but it was nearly fifty then, wasn't yeah, it? Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> We've got new titles. Yes. Mm. The same music though, same music, yeah. just different visuals. Well, what you said, Warren, they look clearer. You, you can, can see read, them. You can read things on them. Yeah. Um, but it's less focused on the fact that she's a woman, mm. so there's no putting on shoes and no, skirts no. and things, is there? She salutes somebody, yeah. and somebody's pointing something out. Still to her. drives a crap car though, and then you get um, and she smiles. She yeah. smiles, yes, yeah, she's and brilliant. Get, smiles. You get Joe Beck and and George Parrish yeah. in the titles yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a new hat, mm. or at least a different she's hat. She's Got a black hat. Opening <laughs> shot, it's misty. Yes. Yes. Or then, then in the close-up shots, it's not really, but never mind. <laughs> uh, you said she's wearing a flasher mat, Mac. Yeah. She's, she's got a raincoat She's on. observing her domain. Yes. So she's sort of got out of the car and having a look at what she's in charge what she's of. she's in charge of, Taking yes. a view of her awe. Yeah. Because, mm. again, we see her first day, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's similar to the opening of the her Do you think that's a better way of doing it rather than taking the first scene as red first sorry the first day as red and having her I cut straight to the office yeah I, I don't know I wondered if it would be a bit jarring if you suddenly mm. cut to it and she's there because viewers might think well what's going on yeah. I think I think you although you, it had probably been advertised I mm. think you still need to yeah I think you do show need it, it to the viewers yeah, really just um, to be sure so but yeah um, and then there's a lot of oh gods in this, Warren. <laughs> Every time we cut to the cars, because they haven't Again. changed the cars really, no. have they? No. You said they've got um, and the top of them's different. Mm-hmm. They they've changed the the sign. They've changed the sign and got rid. The sign flashes now, mm-hmm. and they've got rid of the revolving blue beacon. Yeah. But uh, there's a load of graffiti that's appearing yes very well written graffiti yes in oil paint yeah not spray yeah. paint no surrender spelt correctly and yeah. they say that probably rules out a lot of people in heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was um one of the first few lines of um john botham sorry mark botham sorry mm-hmm. mark mm-hmm. botham uh who forms one of the two regular pcs that will appear for the next next three seasons across oh. the next three series okay you got cj allen yes but if you notice, the last three seasons, the regular PCs changed quite regularly. Regular PCs changed quite regularly. But they changed each season. Fair enough. Right. Maestros, not good at cornering. Or going straight. Or going straight. Or stopping. <laughs> and most things, really. Most yeah. things, yeah. They were a huge, huge car, really, weren't they? And uh, Ashtray. Yeah, the ashtray is being cleaned out so at the Beck's station. going around making sure it's all nice and tidy for the making, new mom. Making it spick and span for. And yeah. it was interesting. It's interesting you find out sort of as the season goes on. Joe Beck is the only remaining smoker in the police station. Okay. Uh, a policewoman. We were shocked to see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, extra. you won't see one in this this series, will you? Yeah. A policewoman. But you said she gets a bit to do. Yes, the police when we get in the background um, turns up for the next three or four episodes. Does a few bits, few lines. Mm-hmm. Cannot remember her name, bless her. Okay. <laughs> well, I was pleased to see some buns on the table. Uh, and well, you say buns, I'd say rolls. I'd say butties. All right. Mm. Okay. Cheese, <laughs> cheese rolls, weren't they? Or yeah. ham cheese, rolls? Ham and cheese, cheese rolls. And ham, yeah, yeah, they referenced it a little, mm. little later on. Mm. And there's a reference to the Phantom Scribbler, yeah. which, <laughs> which does sound like it should be on the two Ronnies. Mm. Um, he was going around in top hat and cape. Yeah. 
<laughs> through the mists, the it, early morning but mists. But it ter- turns out that the new inspector is a sporting lady. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she likes her sport. <laughs> but, and you said the door's the other way round. Yeah, well, on the interview room. No, the entrance to the station. The station. Oh, okay. Um, you used to come in through the left-hand door. There used to be the screen. You come round. Now it's changed to the other way round. All right. For no obvious. No obvious reason. reason at all. No. Is it changed in this episode, or do you think it's changed no, it's, earlier? No, it's changed yeah. in this season, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the inquiry sign's gone off the desk. The massive great one from season one. <laughs> so now you can actually get people. So you have the regular officers behind the counter. So you can now put a. A couple of officers leaning on the counter, so you have the Z cars esque scene now because oh, right, you can okay, shoot yeah. it. Yeah, um, she's wearing a cravat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Lisa, you at one point you said, "Put your bag down." Yeah, she get, she says, "Oh, we take me take me on a tour of the um, police station." Yeah, and she keeps her bag on her shoulder. I don't quite know why, unless she thinks she's going to have to hit anybody with a function. <laughs> You know, surely you just put the bag in the inner office. Yeah. No one's going to steal it. Well, I don't know. Well, I was going to say, are they all a bit light-fingered in mm. the office? I don't know. Perhaps Joe Beck's taken a liking to her handbag. Indeed. Mm. Apparently, the uh, building was built in 1898 in a little bit of dialogue. I don't know whether you picked that up. But, uh, so, nice do, to we see know, do we know if the location, that's genuine? It could be. For, it could I think be. it probably is. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. We get a quick tour of the station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two levels yes and you toad of toad hall <laughs> yes. apparently you can go Some, and see somebody's yeah. doing a production of toad of toad hall yeah yes. they've got one prisoner in custody who broke into the rectory mm-hmm. and then we get to see the snooker table mm-hmm. yes well, it was a billiard table actually well yes um and there's some talk of golf mm-hmm. apparently yes do you play any sport george he claims to play golf which, which Joe Beck finds highly amusing. Yes. Yeah, which is which is news. Um, mm. We live and learn, as he says. Mm. CID are out. Permanently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out to lunch. Does it mean they were on fire then? I don't know. Um, then, then the Milky Bar kid appears. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so who's this? He's the, just Hart- the Hartley Milky Bar kid. Some random kid. Yeah. He's, he's purely there to, to be in the story later to give him a clue of who yeah. the... Um, the, the Phantom Scribbler. Phantom Scribbler is, yeah. Of old Hartley Town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this old bloke who's painting what what is it, a bus shelter or or like an open air convenience? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's just like an open air shelter, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um and then the sort of reverse shot of the kid, you see the there's a park and houses. Yeah. Yeah. That you were rather surprised to see, Warren. Yeah, it's sort it's sort of Edwardian Crescent behind it, isn't there? Yeah. So when did that turn up in um, Dark Grim Hartley, former mill town? There's a silly bit where the kid gets paint on his hand when he shakes hands with the bloke. Mm. Um, uh, no inquiries sign. Not mm. sure what that's about. No, that was the... It wasn't on the desk. Oh, it? the inquiry sign has vanished. Yeah. Hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And indeed the clock that was near it, it seems mm. to have moved into a different room. There is, mm-hmm. a, there is a clock, but the one that we saw in episode one ain't there no. um the inspector's offered coffee and she's having none of it no. didn't think drink, drink tea or coffee at this point yeah but she mm. asks for apple juice do many police stations have a stash of apple juice warren to offer to people no would they have to send out to like tesco extra or somewhere <laughs> to get it yes yes <laughs> would you have to do it not send somebody not bleeding lightly (laughs) (laughs) 
But apple yeah. juice, apple juice, apple juice. But yeah, um, and Joe sort of leaves, then comes back in for the golf punchline. To the yeah. golf punchline. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to see the vicar. He says, "Golf." Then we put another knackered car. <laughs> All the cars in this are pretty knackered. Aren't I they? think they just must go and get them cheap. They must be on the point of scrapping them. Yeah. yeah. But but these are the these are the other villains, aren't yes. they? So the the main villains. The main, main villains. villains. The rusty yes. tufty villains. Yes. Well, we've got a group of three. Yes. Who've had an encounter with a sailor. With a sailor in Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't show you get many sailors in Blackpool really, but still. Well, and, they had an encounter though. And you said about uh, look at his makeup. He needs a shave. Oh yes. And then what was this? Where, um, one of the things that makeup artists do for it, they will get a bit of sponge and they will grey it up and they will put it on your face mm. and smooth it down, lighten it up to make it look as though you've got a couple of days growth there. Yeah. But unfortunately it was placed on so perfectly it just oh, right, didn't yeah. look as though it was a shame. It's a sharp line where yeah. it stops. Okay. Fair enough. And then we all cheered as Albert Moses turns yes. up. <laughs> Albert Moses from uh, Mind, Your, Mind Your, language. Your Language. Indeed. Mm. And there's a bit of aggro in the post office. Oh, a bit pushy shovey. Nice. As, uh, what was it? He, he, he'd ordered some stamps. Yeah, he goes over to buy some cigarettes. Yeah, comes back. Comes back and there's somebody there. One of the villains is there. Yes. And, and, and he says he was first. And they have a... Have a to do, don't mm. they? He gets hit, doesn't he? Bless him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then the bell goes off. Mm-hmm. He sets the alarm off. Yeah, yeah, and they, they get a brick through the window for their trouble, don't they? Yeah, they like smashing things in Juliet Bravo, yeah. don't they? Mm. But the guy in the post office, as he said, runs out yes. with his, his pa- pad pa- and his pen, almost pen. stands in front of the car and writes the number, carefully down. writes down the registration number, then runs back in. Yes. <laughs> And as if a brick through the window wasn't enough. He gets a load of milk chucks at his doorstep. A crate of milk bottles goes yeah. flying as well. And then <laughs> what we get then is the slowest getaway car ever, don't we? <laughs> is it sort of, and the door don't shut either. He does. They have sort of a bit of trouble, don't they, shutting yeah. it? So. But you said this, uh, this getaway is so slow that even George Dixon could cap... Dixon? Dixon. Even George... <laughs> George Dixon. Dixon. Even George... Dixon Diction. could catch him. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Yeah. But why is the inspector alerted to this? You say? I think she's just been kept informed because it's her first day. Yeah. That's the I idea. Just, going I just there. know you put oh god again at that point. Because <laughs> I saw the car. Saw the police cars. car again. Mm-hmm. Uh, bloke with the Scottish hat is still there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're wondering if this was just a, a, a to do or racially motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's some kids watching aren't there there's like a, li- a line of kids on the pavement and there's a really tall perfect one. line yes he's all legs with a head on top yeah. how tall is that kid <laughs> and she goes in to have a, have a word and you, you just put boots Warren yeah. and then you went a bit quiet didn't you yes I did yeah. okay now, there's something about a missing gate yeah <laughs> there's, a, there's a radio thing about a missing gate and you're yeah. like okay and we said it's all happening in Hartley tonight, isn't <laughs> yes. it? It's kicking off. Kicking off. Missing gates. Missing gates. But yeah, one of those getting smashed. One of these Loose villains... seats. They've got police yeah. got nothing to go on. <laughs> oh, very good. One of these villains we noticed, uh, Lisa, was Dermot Crowley. Yes. Um, who did audition for the part of the Seventh Doctor. He did, yes. So, yes. And he's very well known. And he's he's the done one, lots of things. He's the one that had the fight with the sailor. He did. 
I love the way they never name the sailor. No, it's just a sailor. It's just a, it's a sailor. sailor. That's his name, a sailor. Oh, it could be, I suppose. And then you were saying about uh, continuity on cigarette ash, Warren, mm. weren't you? Well, it was all over the place, wasn't it? It was all over the, 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 the problem with filming anything relating to smoking something is you can never get the right length when yeah. you cut to somewhere else, can you? Yeah, because it, yeah, it was all over the shop. Yeah, the so longer, shorter, longer, shorter. Yeah. Um, I put now she wants tea because <laughs> eventually was it tea, but with no milk, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, they get it with milk, and then they go back and oh, can I have one without milk? Well, you should have said in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's not afraid to take her hat off. No. Yeah. So uh, there you go. I like mm -hmm. her because she takes her hat off. Oh, that policeman's helmet's far too big for his head. <laughs> <laughs> so Inspector George Gently's on the television in case anybody's wondering what we're talking about. Sorry. Well, there's some more, there's Why some do they do that with extras? Sorry. <laughs> there's some talk of the youth club. Yeah. Youth. Y U double F. Youth. <laughs> youth. The youth of today and mm -hmm. maybe uh, forming some sort of football or darts team mm -hmm. or something. Or both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A football darts team. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Then we then we cut to uh, the budgie we, and then pull back to find mm -hmm. out it's the... Uh, it's the phantom scribbler. The phantom scribbling man. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who, who's got an attack of the bailiffs. Yes. Because the bailiffs... He's got some have, cream for that. He's not well. paid his rates. He's not no. paid £75 but, but, pounds worth of rates. Yeah, so the bailiffs have come around to see what he's got. Yeah, which isn't much. And his telly's hired, isn't it? Yes. And his radio hasn't well, worked it? since Come in Mark. fellow yes. black shirt, he said, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, because he's sort of very against the, the council. Against um, the, well, against authority, really. Yeah. Because yeah. he's worried mm. about how much the council's spending on... Um, uh, nuclear nuclear defences. Nuclear defences or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you get a comedy moment where the bailiff gets a kick up the arse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but then they sort of his mate goes off to get the ambulance, so yes. it's, it's more serious than you. Well, I think, think. he hurts his back oh, or right. something. So. There is, there's yeah. quite a good balance in this um, compared to the last story. We yes, it's at. much yeah. lighter. Yeah. Much lighter. Yes. However, there is the nasty racial overtones of yes. the, the the crime. Mm. The nasty people, and um, it goes on to a bigger crime as well, doesn't yeah. it? Mm. Well, um, then the Smurfs appear. <laughs> <laughs> well, a sticker appears. Well, a Smurf, Smurf appears. National Fuel, I remember that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Save it with a Smurf. Earth. So what was that about then? Why did Smurfs save stuff? We Didn't we get um, toys and stickers and things with National Fuel? No uh, that will be the, the I don't remember it oh, I, I remember it quite well yeah you get the stamps and then you could get Smurf toys yeah alright okay well like sort of green shield stamps sort yeah. of thing right, Smurf, okay. stamps. Okay. Smurf stamps Smurf stamps <laughs> blue shield stamps blue shield oh, they're going to be blue aren't they mm. okay um, then the, the villains um, attack or rather rob Mr Shamdar who's got a mini, mi mini mart and attack him Oh well, that yeah. too. Mm. Steal his car, and run they? off with his money and his car. Yes. Yeah, but you, you got distracted by a cat. There's yeah, there was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Major cry. You'd be a great witness, no, no, wouldn't no, you? What cat? cat? Yeah. Well, they were shooting it for him. He was being You're shot shooting from, the cat. No, from a really cat. long way away. All right. So it, they were quite in the distance, and I just noticed in front of them was a cat. I'm sorry, I get distracted by cats. Do you think I, they did it in long shot because they couldn't? They couldn't like, do evening, a proper madam. fight scene. Possibly. The, you may have seen the. Um, 
the armed robbery taking place in the town. I wonder if you could mm. tell me, you're right by it, could you give me a description of the uh, suspects? Well, well it had four you? legs and, <laughs> and a tail. A big fluffy tail. <laughs> it was black. And again, they're not good at closing the car door. No. no. <laughs> One of them's going to fall out of that car, yeah. aren't they? Meanwhile, down the youth club, mm. where you've got some youths. Mm-hmm. But, um, they're all well behaved and enjoying themselves. Wow. But, but the chap um, sort of who organises it mm-hmm. one of his first questions is are you single yes, yes. No, he goes have you got any kids are you single <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. he lights up a fag in front of the kids at one point doesn't yeah, he right. okay. but I think that was quite a natural thing to do then I don't think there was any worry about smoking at all, no, really. no it's, but do you know who he is it, well it's Tom Georgeson who's in Genesis of the Darlings hang He's on yeah Cavell Co- He's one of the scientists, isn't yes. he? Yeah. And he's in Between the Lines. Between the Lines, yes. yes. Yeah. Where he plays what? another where he plays a chain, policeman. Chain smoking. Um, oh, now, what was this about giving up smoking? Yeah. Oh, yes. When he went to go, he gave up smoking just before he joined the cast and start filming Between the Lines. And they gave him, uh, they were back there, he says, right, um, they give him a packet of cigarettes. And he says, oh, this is just, what, what do you want me to do with this prop? Just play around with it. And he says, no. Oh, did no one tell you? You do smoke, don't you? Well, actually, I gave up last <laughs> week. So, oh, you're a chain, your character's a chain-smoking police officer. <laughs> That's the whole point of one of the things. You're going to have to chain-smoke. So he never gave up smoking. Yeah, but Mr Shamdar ends up in hospital. Because he'd had a heart bypass the year before. That's right. So he's, he's the, the, as a result of the assault, he's quite ill. Then um, we get a bloke from the Clarion turn up. Yes, which is the local newspaper. Yeah, mm. Clarion. Yeah. Mm. Then we go to the the custody room, mm-hmm. and they've got the notice up. Yay! At, at last. last. <laughs> now, who are they talking to at this point? They're talking to one of the villain's ex-wife, who's played by Shirley Steele Fox. Right. Who's Mrs. Don Henderson? Oh, okay. Um, but she does turn up in a heck of a she lot. She does. Though, she's, yeah. she's she's actually that's quite a quiet role for because she's, she's usually quite, the quite brassy gob- blonde. Go- isn't yeah, she's she? quite gobby, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's n- normally the sort of the tart with a heart or not tart with the heart <laughs> or just the tart. <laughs> just the tart. Because she is in the first series of Keeping Up Appearances. Okay, there's um Rose. Oh. But she's not in a hurry to see him again. She's she? not. No. She doesn't want to see him again. But she can't help, yeah. really. Okay. And Joe Beck's got an idea, but nobody actually listens to him. Right, okay. So um, They've managed to get £641 out yeah, of this quite snatch a lot. and grab. Yeah. Um, but Warren, your concern was stage scotch looks transparent and they've got a mini metro. Because mm. yeah, they ditched the car that they, cause they sold. Did, they say, did you say they'd stolen his car? Yes. They, I st- think so. they ditched that car and steal another car. Yeah, it's getting complicated. Yeah. You were using up all the budget on cars. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have thought they'd gone for a decent car. <laughs> a a four door, one that's going to drive across the moors well. Oh, mm. look, there's a car. Let's use a two door mini metro that <laughs> doesn't get out of first gear. But yes, as you said, Lisa, Joe's got a hunch. Mm-hmm. It's the way he walks. But yeah. she doesn't take him. It's not that she doesn't take him seriously, but she seems want, she wants to do it. Thank you, Warren. I was hoping you'd do that. She wants to do it her way. Indeed. So. Well, but he, he thinks that it might be worth looking up a foot patrol up on the moor on or the something. Moors. And then later on in the quarry, mm-hmm. he used to be a he used to be a quarryman. Quite frankly, it's safer to have a foot patrol away from Joe Beck whilst he's driving, <laughs> driving anyway. Driving the car, yeah. But then, Matt, was it? You said Brian turns up. 
Mm. And you said some his 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 character takes an interesting turn later on, is it? Oh yes, um, I think it's the last season. He he um has an acrimonious split from his wife. I think that leads right. towards a divorce, and he um gets very depressed and unhappy. Okay. Now there's a nice shot where they seem to have, like strapped the camera to the like the side of the car low down, <laughs> mm. and they're driving through all this mud. And I was amazed they didn't get any mud in the camera lens. No. I don't know how on earth they managed perhaps, to do that. Perhaps they didn't have to film it. Again. Oh God, we've got what mud in the camera. Oh, lens. this is the second one since Hand of Fear we've yeah. lost. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, Warren, they don't seem to come out of first gear for any of this. Oh, mm. the, it is making a horrible noise, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, it's all fairly muddy up there. Mm. And it's rocks sticking out as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe acts alone, so off he goes. Mm. Uh, then we get some high-tech police equipment mm-hmm. yes. with the teleprinter. Yes. <laughs> or the telex machine. Yeah, with yeah. The, this this uh, Saturday's score draws coming yes. out. Yes. You know. Hartley in, United won. In this day of emails, you can't even believe you had such a thing no. before. Should we you? quickly describe it? It's, it's a huge It's, it's a keyboard. huge thing. It's the size of a sort of desk. And you just rip off a, like a huge sheet of paper. And it's metal, solid metal, isn't yes. it? It's just got a keyboard yes. at the front. Yeah. yeah. Four far five east five four. Oh, I'm amazed I could say that. Um, a sailor. I keep saying a sailor. <laughs> a sailor. Yes. Uh, then uh, we go to the hospital, and you see a bloke with a mop and a bucket, mm-hmm. but with no signs. But no trip hazard wet floor mm. signs. So those haven't come. When in. people were real people. Yeah, I thought got si- broken legs. I thought. Yeah. The- <laughs> yes. I thought the sign said smoking at first, but then yeah. the camera moves around and it says strictly no smoking. Yes, and then you spotted nicotine. In the and then, then the rest of the scene went out of my head as I saw half of a sign for nicotine, yeah. which was um, Superman. Yes, that was the villain he used to fight. And, and yeah, yeah. The, the idea was nicotine was this character of kids mm. smoked. Mm. They they were sort of empowering nicotine. But in in this, I think he was on the on the back of like sort of sort of comics and things yeah, like that. Yeah, he was, yeah. That yeah. Time. Yeah. Was he in looking? Quite possibly. He was yeah. in lots of things, yeah. 2000 yeah. AD, I think, mm-hmm. he, was, he was on. and mm. Possibly Doctor Who magazine as well, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, this this is actually... Um, the inspector's gone to see the chap's daughter. Daughter, that's yes. That's right. And, yes. uh, you know, she, she sort of can't get her head round that it might be sort of a racial attack. Yes. Because mm. she, she comes from Hartley, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, now the, the 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 kids sort of looking at all these uh, signs. Yes. Fifty pound reward for jewellery. Return of jewellery. Yes. And things like yes. that. So he goes into the police station and says he's got some information about the mm. old bloke doing the graffiti. Yeah. What reward? Do what I reward get? am I going to get? And the reward he's going to get is a thick ear if you don't tell me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Those were the days when yeah. you could say that, eh? Yeah. Um, so basically, he's nicked. Mm. Yes. Um, and he's got, what we forgot to say is, after he assaulted the, um, or before he assaulted the bailiff, mm. he was going to go out to the pub, but he takes his budgie with oh, him. Oh, his budgie goes with him, yeah. Yeah. To get a bit of fresh air. Yeah. Um, I said, now, this is the thing I had to ask you, Warren. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing at now? There was, there was some... Something on the telly. Ladies' uh, parts on the television. What parts? <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Warren, um, this during the course of this episode, and you're you're sort of laughing at cars trying to negotiate the terrain. Yes. If you were uh, a force um, to be reckoned with, yes, in a load of moorland which You'd got habitually sticky and muddy, mm. 
um, would you actually have these cars in the first place? No. No. <laughs> and if you look in the opening titles, um, George Parrish is standing next to a police Land Rover. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. they would. They he, he would. You would hope they'd have access. Because yeah. I've seen a, a thing recently on Twitter for the police tractor. Have you seen the police oh, tractor? Oh, yes. Ro- Robocop. Yes. <laughs> but that's yes. not to en- engage in low-speed chases, is it? No, no, that's <laughs> just a publicity stunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're sort of shacked up on the moor, and you said, with no regard for safety, yeah. so they've got a, ga- a gas fire, yep. buy some bales of hay, mm-hmm. with some scotch and, and, and a fag on the go. <laughs> yeah. They're in a sort of train compartment thing, aren't yeah. they? Like, like a, a goods train goods thing. Goods train yeah. thing, yeah. How did it get up there? Got to the top of the mail. Yeah. The mail? The mail. It's a sailor again. The moor. The moor. <laughs> and then there's this wonderful expression, dumb cops. Yes. <laughs> like he's all gone the a bit Americanisms. And uh, Joe's um, skidding his way through through the thing and I just put skid pan yeah. it's like the look on his face this is a wing and a prayer job, yeah he's, he's got no control at all he's just pointing it in the right direction and, and hoping it and he sort of eventually sort of slides to a halt gets out the car and locks it locks it <laughs> but what did he but do but leaves the window open <laughs> <laughs> and what, why did they do that why did he lock the car Lisa in case the sheep steal it yeah <laughs> You get a load of sheep running off with the yeah, police sheep, cars. Sheep rustlers. Yeah. And and then every every now and then on these film sequences I put slip, whoop, hey <laughs> It's like nobody can keep their feet. Well it's re- it's a really quite a steep hill. It they is a steep hillock. It's a load of hillocks. They sort of yeah. and it's wet. Yeah. And yeah. squidgy and they just sort of slide <laughs> their way down, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. Um I, I put it's cold on on Aunt Moore. As everybody looks really freezing, yes, don't they? They're yes. all red faced and then, yes. And I've got Hell's Teeth. Who said that? Somebody said Hell's Teeth because I wrote it down. They did. Who said that? Yeah. Well, we watched it a little while ago. Some, somebody say. said Hell's Teeth. Oh, it's um, Kate Longton. Is it? When she finds out Joe Beck's gone up on the morning. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Hell's Teeth, Auntie Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then I've just put potholes. Yeah. Uh, whacking great chasms. Yeah. Yeah. As the car bounces over them. And then amazingly, a jam sandwich turns Yay. up. Now, Warren, explain a jam sandwich because I knew what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah is a is a, a, a larger police car which has got a red line, a red stripe down the side of it, hasn't it? Mm. And it's referred to as a, a jam sandwich. Traffic people usually drive them, didn't they? I was going to say, is it does one <clears throat> is that one of those in the Silver Nemesis Part One? Yes, yeah, <laughs> where the police are overcome by fumes. Um, Way hey, hillocks, <laughs> <laughs> as everybody else goes arse over tit. <laughs> <laughs> Elegantly put there. Yeah, it's well put. Yeah, observation of wit. Wind again. Mm. More wind up on the moor. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there we go. Then I put sort of action by Havoc Light. Yes. As they have this sort of running sequence. Yes. But there's no sort of fun fighting or punching. But there's no or fighting or, or tackling or anything. They cut like. from the running to them being caught. Yeah. They don't actually yes. run very far. I think it's yeah. probably safe not to. Because mm. of the mud. Yeah. Because I think the they probably turned up on the day to film it and thought, Oh no, we better not do any stunts. Mm. Um, but the inspector's advice is stick to the team because she's mm. not keen on people operating yeah. on their yeah. own initiative. But, but but then she goes on to tell him that it was a good good call and that he should make sure his name's on the arrest sheet. Yeah, see, I do not to get get, get the, the credit. See, yes. I don't. 
The graffiti mm. man's down at the station. Yes. And he gets his tea. Yes. Yeah. And Which he has black with, but with three sugars. Oh, is it? All right, yes. Okay. And then off down the youth club, maybe. Mm. Maybe, eh? Yeah. Uh, and she persuades Joe Beck to go with her. Yeah. So they're going to have a game of darts for a pint. Mm. Uh, or, it, or a pint of apple, apple juice, juice, depending on who wins. Who wins. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. I, I think generally a lighter one than... Yes, than the previous than the, one. ...than the very first episode. Yeah. Um, would you say that's typical of the way the series goes does it become lighter or not because i don't know what do you think warren no 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 it starts off quite light because it, it finishes on a very dark vein mm. and the whole series finishes on a very dark vein yeah in fact the um, although there is a under current of um sexism throughout the last three series like there were with the 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 previous three the last uh, two to three episodes are very interesting and very painful to watch mm-hmm. about some of the senior officer's attitude towards Kate Longton and her application for the job. But we do have darker stories coming along. Yes, people get killed. Yeah. Main mm-hmm. characters. We won't say any more because people won't no. want to watch. Yeah. But they're, um, it's more community-based, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it's any lighter than the the first three series, okay. which is good. They keep a good balance and they keep a, whole, a, gr- a good grip of it because it could easily fall into, this is a nice twee series. Um, everybody gets comfortable with the characters we got. But there are a few, um, there are a few left balls thrown. Okay. Well, thank you for that. There's just one thing we should mention, and that's yeah. shock tactics. Yes. yes. Oh, and your poll as well. We've said about, we've the, said poll. about the poll. Sorry, we've said about the poll. Yeah. But, yeah, Shock sh- Tactics, a very short episode of Juliet Bravo. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like sort of Juliet Bravo cutaway, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Yes. So, how do we explain this? So Shown on BBC Two. BBC Two, mm-hmm. yeah. You get the title sequence and mm-hmm. you get the credit Shock Tactics by S.J. Price, mm-hmm. who I, I can't find anything else that he's written. Mm. Um. I know, you know, obviously the name does sort of almost sound a bit like N.J. Crisp or something, but um, so unless it's him writing under a different name, I really, really don't know. But it, it's it's quite a sort of creepy setup at first, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's really... Because this sort of woman comes home, she she goes... That's my stomach making noises. <laughs> Have you eaten a live cow? <laughs> <laughs> but but it, the, the point of view in, shot's interesting because you're getting it as if somebody's hiding in the house yeah, watching yeah, her. The you? implication is that somebody is in there with her. Yeah. Um, I mean, the camera works. Sort of, the camera sort of comes down the stairs a little bit and sort of zoom, sort of peeks over. She goes into the living room. The door sort of shuts behind her, and then she sort of sw- swings around and just screams, mm. and you don't know. Don't see right. yeah. no. Then you cut to the inspector um, on film, mm-hmm. driving there, and then you mix to back to the house. And what is it? The there's a police surgeon or doctor or something mm-hmm. is there. Yeah, yeah. And and um, and who's there? Who's there with her? Um, a sergeant. Sergeant. There's yeah. A sergeant who yeah. we've never seen before. Yeah. yeah, it's a new sergeant. Yeah. Mm. And they sort of t- a doctor takes the woman off to to look after her. Yeah. I think the inspector picks up a. 
It's just just a kid's shoe. It's a, isn't a child's yeah. shoe. Yeah, yeah. It's just you, one. Again, it's not obvious why she does that. And you're getting quite disturbed by this now. She is a family, you don't know where the child is, Mm -hmm. and there's some distress over what's happened to the husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the sergeant's sort of left on on his own with her. Mm -hmm. uh, It's as though he's got something to say to her, isn't it? He doesn't know how to ask her, though, does he? No. 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 But, you know, eventually he sort of of comes out with it and says um, that apparently the men have been talking about her. Yeah. Hmm. And... There's this rumour going around that she wears dresses and lipstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, well, yes, I'm a woman. Oh. Oh. A, a woman, sir. Right. You don't know what a woman is, do you, Sergeant? Yes, I do. They're, they're, they're sort of tall and they got three points and buffaloes printed on them. And yeah. That's a wigwam. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly you think, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> And they have this discussion, and it's, he's no idea what a woman is. No, no. And they get some more office in dresses, birds and bees. Yeah. Buzz, buzz, buzz. buzz. I don't I, I fancy that bird. We'll have to get married. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, suddenly you think, this has gone a bit surreal, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's almost like, like they've tumbled into the land of fiction or something. Mm. Like, some sort of, like, weird dream sequence. And, uh, what's it? Um, what, you know, you'd... Don't know about women. What do you do when your time in off. your spare yeah. time, Sergeant? Mm. And what's his answer? Indecently exposes himself to squirrels. Mm. And then the inspector just looks straight down the camera lens and goes, mm. "I suppose it's too late to get Alexi Sale on, isn't it?" And then it cuts to the title sequence of the Alexi Sale show, which mm. is what it really is. Yes, and they are, they are it's singing. so well done. It's, it is. Yes, it is. It's very well observed. I mean, it's it's played absolutely straight. Mm. Yeah, you just start to get some laughter in it about mm. halfway through and mm. I wish they hadn't put any of the laughter in it, on it at all as mm-hmm. you said Warren it feels like they've mixed it off for the first few minutes mm. but then somebody thought oh we should put a bit in but the camera work is bang on it is. BBC drama yeah, yeah. isn't it, is. it the it font is. the presentation of the yeah. title and the right level it's not in the mm. middle of the screen it's the lower part where they Which always is where it always goes always yeah. goes yeah. The attention to detail yeah. is absolutely fantastic, and it is mm. one of the best spoof yep. things mm-hmm. of a TV show I've ever seen because of its sheer precision. Yes, yes, and, and mm. yeah, that that opening sequence just wouldn't have worked if you'd not done it right. So mm-hmm. you know, and, and good on her for doing it. I say, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a real you know, sh- showing you've got a sense of humour in it, but but are still prepared to play it. Doesn't mm. belittle her character. No, though. that's the thing. It, she stays absolutely in character yeah. Yes. Yeah, all the way through. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fantastic. Anyway, thank you, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yes, these have turned out to be quite long pieces, mm-hmm. but uh, I think... We hope we've done these two episodes justice. Yes, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, do you yes. like a long piece? Yes. I like yeah. a long piece. It's yeah. all right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We'll say tara, I think. Yes. Yeah? Okay. 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 Bye-bye. Bye.
was episode 24 of Round the Archives, starring Lisa Parker, Andrew Trowbridge, Warren Cummings, Martin Holmes and Michael Dennis. Thanks also to IT Williams. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The scripts for Juliet Bravo, Shotgun and Teamwork were by Ian Kennedy Martin. And the producers were Terence Williams and Geraint Morris. Come in. Prisoner wants a word with your mum, and I've brought you another firkin of apple juice. Goodness me, that's a big one. I've never had any complaints, mum. So what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of gratuitous innuendo whilst... Uh, no, I'll start that again. He's being held... No. So what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of grievous podcasting innuendo, and he wanted to have you... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of grievous podlar... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. So, what do the... What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not as though it's written down in front of me. No. <laughs> Should we start it from the top? No, let's okay. just start it. So... I can't see the screen. <laughs> Oh, this never comes up much. <laughs> right, away you go. So, what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of grievous podler... Oh, goodness <laughs> sake. He's being... <laughs> He's being... <laughs> <laughs> right. Go! <laughs> Do you want to stop and start again? <laughs> right. So, what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge, ma'am, and it's the charge of grievous podcasting innuendo. And he wants his <laughs> for goodness sake. <laughs> 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 oh my god, It's hot here, isn't it? It's hot. So, what does this prisoner want? He's being held on a charge of grievous podcasting innuendo and he wanted to have it out with you. Really? Straight up, Mal. So I see. And Sergeant? Yes, Mum. Please put that swanny whistle away. Here he is, Mum. Hello, Mr. Tro... Uh... Hello, Mr. Trowbridge. Uh, has the Sergeant taken down your particulars? Yes, and I'd like to complain he's got very cold hands. Now then. Well... <laughs> Yes, and I'd like to complain that he's got very cold hands. Let's <laughs> 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 really do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Go from there. Still, <laughs> Warren, calm down for a moment. <laughs>